You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom geekiness and everything. As always, I am your host Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you. We're, we're going to talk about Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So, starting off, she is my co-host on all of these Star Trek episodes, and that is my friend Stephanie. How are you doing, Stephanie? Hello, I am doing all right. It's okay. a Friday night, and I'm talking Star Trek which I'm sure some people could probably take that as derogatory, but I didn't mean it that way. (laughs) Yeah, no, like Star Trek, talking about Star Trek is just what we've always done. Yes. Come over to babysit your kid, and before you guys left or after you returned, even though I was friends with your wife first, she just, her eyes would roll back as you and I just go on and on and on and on about Star Trek or Babylon 5 or both. (laughs) Any yep. long-time listeners have heard this story plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so how have things been going? It's been a while since you've been on the show, and uh, you know, anything new and exciting happened for you? Uh, National Novel Writers Month came and went. Um, I got well past the fifty thousand word goal and ended up at like sixty-five, sixty-eight, somewhere around there. Hmm. um first time ever that i am well i guess my very first one was when i first started writing but uh very first time since my first ever participation where i started a project specifically for it um and i I, i'm just incapable of writing short stories is what it is (laughs) because i thought for sure i'm like all right 50k that's awesome that'll get the story out no problem i'm at 72k right now and I think I'm almost at the end. If I can wrap it under 100K, that'll make me happy because if I go into the triple digits, it's starting to be about, it's starting to be too close to the length of my normal novels. And this one is supposed to be a short side story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations for you anyway, (laughs) just because most people I know who, you know, can participate like don't even get up to the goal so like you're blowing past the goal i mean i I mean it's past november now but i mean like yeah yeah i blow past the goal pretty much actually every year i've participated um this year it was kind of funny when my memories would pop up of oh hey i hit this number and i hit that number i kept having to point out yeah past me you also were so terrified of the 50k you started it in october you're cheating (laughs) And so, yeah, my very first year, 50K seemed like such a huge, terrifying number. And this time I'm like, yeah, 50K, that's great for a short story. And yeah, it's like I said, I'm at like 80 something. I don't know. I'm hoping to wrap it at 80. Actually, the document's open. What is my word count right now? I'm at 81,846 out of 50,000. So... uh, (laughs) 
pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping. I keep bumping it up 10K. Um, first it was, okay, well, 50 is not going to work. Maybe 60. Okay, maybe set. Nope, now eight. No. So let's just say under 100. And otherwise, it's just another full length novel, which technically it already is. But yeah. <clears throat> Well, very cool. I don't know how Stephanie. people write short stories. <laughs> I always like your updates about, you know, your writing and everything. And, uh, you know, one day we're going to hear that news, you know, about you and your your cinematic franchise that you're licensing. And... <laughs> well, I sure hope something comes of it soon. I finally wrote a proper query letter. So now it's just a process of, you know, finding somebody who also likes my stuff because, I would truly love to go the more traditional route than just going, okay, hey, I wrote a book. Hey, Kindle, have my book. <laughs> right. So. Right. And I mean, like, that's better in a lot of ways because I think you make more money from that also. And also, like... There's pros and cons to both of them, but I just, I would really love to go the traditional route. So, but I put off that query letter for years and years and years. I mean... Uh, since our other guests don't know, I've been writing a series for a few years now, and uh, I paused book six in order to write this so-called short story for National Novel Writers Month in November. Um, so yeah, I've got quite a few books under my belt that have been, they're, they're all part of a series. They've been beta read by a few people and lots of editing. No professional editing yet because like I said, I don't know how to write short stories and editing is expensive. It's very fairly priced, but not when you can't write short stories and you're not already well off. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully that's another reason traditional publishing would be nice. They would help with those editing costs, but um, yeah, hopefully one of these days it will be, uh, Hey, I've got good news that I can't entirely share yet, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I look forward to that. Uh, it's good to have you back on the show, Stephanie good to be back all right next up he is the director of our eso network here from the mothership itself and that is mike faber how are you doing mike nathan happy holidays my friend and thank you for having me up on the show again it's wonderful to be here oh it's always great having you on our little satellite i always love coming here and i wish i could be here more often but life gets just in the way yeah no i understand so yeah what's been going That's on that's why i'm only on the star trek <laughs> exactly you used to do more than the Star Trek, Stephanie. Yeah, but like you just said, life gets in the way. Right. So now I limit myself to Star life Trek. Has a way, <laughs> life has a way of getting in the way. You know, it's yeah. interesting. As Jeff so, Goldblum said. Exactly. And it's interesting because, no, things have been going crazy over at the station. And we've just added a new show to the network. We actually have just uh, added a podcast called Drinking with Authors. And yeah. it's a great, great addition to um, the ESO network. And we also have started a YouTube channel for our Earth Station One podcast. And so now you can see these lovely faces of Mike and Mike and our guests up on the air and, you know, run screaming if you must. It's always <laughs> great to do. And then we also, as of this last week, have read formatted or station one we are breaking it up so now instead of having sometimes two hour episodes we are breaking the episode now into two episodes so we're gonna have episodes now coming out of earth station one on mondays and thursdays oh very cool every week 
Yeah, because I saw the one that was just like it just said interview, and I was like, "Oh, are they breaking out the interviews into its own separate thing?" So like, I didn't uh, know like exactly what yeah. was happening. We're basically what we're doing is because for years we've done um, like an opening topic or an interview with a geek seat segment, and then we've had the main topic for Earth Station One for years. We've been doing Earth Station One is in April. We'll be doing uh, celebrating our thirteenth anniversary, and so basically what we're doing is splitting those into two different podcasts now still under earth station one each one's just going to be an episode and going to be a lot shorter because research that we've been doing have shown that people like podcasts that are more like an hour long instead of an hour and a half or two hours and you know event every once in a while we'll still do like a whole episode like just one topic mm. like when, like in the beginning of january we do 2022 in the geek seat so we'll be doing our year review so it'll just be one episode out that week so it'll it'll be interesting to see how we do it and what we do with it and everything and sometimes we'll be doing two main topics a week so like this next episode that's going to be coming out in the second week of actually third week of december we're going to be doing the new avatar movie mm. but we're also going to be reviewing wednesday which is the new show on netflix mm -hmm. not that it's coming out on wednesday it's about wednesday <laughs> right you know <laughs> i knew what you meant <laughs> so so but it, it's it's going to be a, lo a lot of fun and a lot of people over the years have said, oh, sometimes I really don't like listening for 30 minutes, you know, when you're interviewing somebody that I'm not interested in to get to the main topic. So we're giving you your wish, folks. So you're going to be <laughs> getting, you know, basically the main topic and the uh, interviews or second topics. And so and we'll still be doing creative outlets where we'll be interviewing artists and writers and such and giving them their 15 minutes of fame and such. So it's going to be pretty cool. All right. Well, very cool. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that there are, you know, changes happening and more shows on the network and, uh, you know, diversifying the main podcast. So uh, that's all really cool. Oh, yeah. Keeps us out of trouble, as we like to say. <laughs> right. All right. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Mike. Thanks for having me, sir. And finally, last but not least, he is someone that I met at Chicago TARDIS and we just hit it off. And that is my friend, Stephen. How are you doing, Stephen? Good, thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I, I just I, I'm excited because uh, I'm I'm on here with Mike and Stephanie, and so I can uh, take advantage of making this my audition for the drinking with authors. So, um... <laughs> oh yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was actually like, see, I'm not an author, but I got the other part handled pretty well. So. <laughs> You'll be the drinking. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, I'll partake in the drinking too. So, okay. I'm, that's so will I. I'll partake in the writing, but I think yours will be better than mine. But my drinking may be better than yours. So it'll balance, right? If it was my case, you know, it would be apple pie with authors, but it's okay. You know, but, no, also be good. But then again, if you did that, you wouldn't get past like the first five minutes because everyone would be passed out. So. <laughs> Maybe we could compromise rum balls and just, you know, call it a day. <laughs> I'd like I that. make a really good apple cider that is hard. So, <laughs> yeah. There we go. I think we've All got right. well, the makings of a show here. Become the drinking <laughs> podcast. I just need James Rowe on here, whose whole podcast is about him <laughs> drinking while playing video games. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll just like round out the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs>
so yeah what's been going on for you since uh since chicago tardis Steven? oh gosh uh let's see i closed a show uh or just finished a show a christmas show in st charles illinois i'm a chicago area actor so um just finished a show um in st charles and just got cast in a scooby-doo murder mystery parody um in elmhurst illinois that'll go up i think end of february so we're just starting rehearsals for that um so that's i'm pretty excited because i get to use a talent that i've worked on for years and have never done on stage ever and, and is that congratulations like scooby-doo <laughs> whoa uh, it, it's it's sort of related um i'm playing don knotts oh don knotts <laughs> Oh and, yeah, and I I have bothered people with my Don Knotts impersonation for years and years, but never used it on stage until now. You know the Scooby Doo series where they guest starred with somebody every episode. Yeah. That's my favorite Scooby Doo series. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Don Knotts so, was in some of those. I'm Don Knotts apparently has the most appearances in those <laughs> Scooby. So I, I'm super excited to be playing Don Knotts in this. I just <laughs> that I is amazing. Wait. All right, I I might actually like drive down to like catch that <laughs> because that 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 excites me. <laughs> I would say the only time I've ever sort of done it in a play, and it was on a Zoom reading, but we did uh, Much Ado About Nothing, mm -hmm. and I read Dogberry in Don Knotts's voice, <laughs> which wow. I would love to do on stage. <laughs> If anyone is ever doing much ado about nothing, call me. <laughs> I, I once uh, had a friend who was trying to do like an audio drama podcast, but like based on like actual issues of comic books. And I won't get into like what the source material was or anything. But um, when I did my audition, because it was supposed to be a Germanic, or a, <laughs> but it was, I'm sorry, not the Germanic part, because that was the the the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. But um there was an older character that was like an older action, like, you know, sort of warrior type. And so I read him with a Sean Connery voice. <laughs> and my friend was like, you can't do that. But I'll always remember this line. Hmm. You have my fine looks, boy, but you have your mother's temper. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. The Sean Connery is the one that I've like gotten some mileage on. I've, I, I like Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Oh man, but yeah, that's that sounds like a lot of fun. It does. It's I. It's a in many ways a dream come true. Um, I'm going to be doing that while I'm directing a middle school show, so I don't know how I'm going to work in the schedule, but I'll figure <laughs> it out. I get to do Don Knotts. I'm working. I, I'll figure it out. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Definitely keep me posted on that Absolutely. because uh, I I do want to try checking that out if I can work <laughs> it into my schedule to somehow sure. get down I, there and 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 take it in. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, it is good to have you back on the show, Stephen. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. And next up, you know what time it is? It's time for our five-minute controversy. Bum, bum, bum. And now for those of you joining us for the first time, that's just a little something we do to uh, loosen us up in the beginning of the show. It also gives you a little insight into how we feel about something that's going on in pop culture right now. Um, and yes, you may judge us for it. Um, but <laughs> this week we go to our friends DC who give us a disproportionate amount of these five minute controversies, it seems. Uh, and um, so uh, this week uh, that we're recording this podcast, uh, the news broke. Uh, and this time we don't have to speculate because Henry Cavill took to Twitter very directly and mentioned that he is no longer after 
just in this Black Adam movie, which just came out a couple months ago, it was revealed that, oh, Henry Cavill's still Superman as far as DC is concerned. And they made a big announcement about how they were going to be working with him on multiple movies. Now, two months later, oh, sorry, Henry Cavill is out <laughs> as Superman because uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran have taken over as the, the showrunners. It seems like they're going to completely reboot the DC universe starting in 2024. And so there's no room to have Henry Cavill as Superman. Now he did say that he was pursuing something with them where they had another role or possibly roles in mind for him uh, and that they would pursue that in the future. So he might still appear in a DC movie at some point in the future, just not as Superman. Uh, now, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this. It's gotten some people very riled up um, and uh, also, because of the sort of feeling, even though it's never been confirmed that the reason he left The Witcher was because his schedule was going to require this time playing Superman, um, and people have been upset about that also. So uh, so just curious, um, as far as from the perspective of, do you think this is a wise move on the part of Gunn and Safran with how much love people have or even people who didn't like the movies he was in everybody it seems said that they loved henry cavill as superman and would like to see him in it even if it was you know with a different sort of directorial style um so yeah do you think that this is a wise move or not so stephanie since you had a post today about this i'm going to start with you and pick on you so what do you think uh, about this decision for henry cavill it sucks for him um i mean Seriously, he's such, like, a cool, nerdy guy, and it's hard not to, like, sympathize for how much this must suck that everything was going down with The Witcher. And I I don't think that it had anything to do with Superman. Um, I think that was more the fact that they, the, the showrunners, have been trying to push to get away from the source material, that him being such a super fan has kept it closer to the uh, source material. Um, and as a a, a bit of a i don't know i dabble in the geeky stuff now and then uh i really appreciate the effort of trying to keep close to the source um it, it it's popular for a reason and i think that a lot of times shows do veer off course and it was great knowing that there's an actual fan there helping steer the course in the lead freaking role <laughs> so uh yeah i, I I tend to lean towards the, the belief more that that was a creative differences parting and uh, the person they replaced him with as Geralt is just, yeah. The, mm. But that's not here or there. That's going off on a whole different topic. This is supposed to be about Superman. I don't like Superman. <laughs> I never have. I, I probably never will. Um, the only Superman movie I've ever seen in theaters uh, was the first one with Henry Cavill, and I, I can't believe that it was starring Henry Cavill, and I was bored off of my ass. Um, you weren't alone. So on that part. <laughs> it was the most boring action movie I have ever seen. That was um, my feeling because it was less about Superman, and I was just like, "There's so much stuff happening here. I should be really excited, but it's like I just it just feels like blah." But anyway, we weren't we're not going to yeah. get on on that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I was hopeful with henry cavill being cast as superman that oh hey maybe i'll enjoy it and i didn't and so i never bothered watching any of the other stuff um honestly i i know he's a fan of superman as well so 
sucks for him, but I personally am like good riddance and I don't have to suffer through something just because I want to watch his pretty face. Um, wow. <laughs> hey, this is actually a good topic because I'm going to be saying that about Pike and the whole cast all, all day, um, <laughs> all night, whatever. God, Strange New Worlds just has the most beautiful cast and <laughs> all right, oh, we, we can every that. single person on there. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Um, my my feelings are not so much caring at all about Superman, but more so feeling bad for Henry Cavill because this has got to suck for him that two roles that he really enjoyed himself are now not his thing anymore. And they told him to go ahead and announce the return of Superman and then, haha, never mind, just a few months later. And God, that's got to suck. Yeah. So... I'm thinking of it more as how much he must feel versus my own caring of the uh, series itself. Okay. Well, I'm going to put you down for it's a bad move because he was a thing yes. that they could have used to get you into the movie theater to watch a Superman movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll watch superhero movies. Just, you know, Superman just never has clicked with me very much. Okay, so um, Stephen, what do you think about this? Um, I, I'm. It's an expected move. Um, I and and I, I look at it from from the point of view of a, as as an actor, and I'm sure it's a disappointment to Henry Cavill. At the other hand, um, he made an announcement, which means he probably had a contract. He'll be fine. He will not be asking, "Do you want fries with that?" He will be fine. Oh no, uh, <laughs> most definitely. Oh, they've already announced his next project already. Yeah, he's 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 gonna get paid. Don't. But yeah, but even from DC, they're gonna have to pay him for breaking the contract. Right. Exactly. They're saying. they're they're gonna pay him for, and which may be part of why they're looking at other characters to put him into. It might be part of that contract. So, but but he'll be fine. Um, it's an expected move because James Gunn. And Peter Safran did not come in to pick up Zack Snyder's pieces and play with them. They came in to tell their own stories and they need the freedom to do that, whether it's, you know, casting all the way through to what the films look like, um, how connected the, the projects are going to be, all of that. They need the room to do that. So it's completely expected to me is, is they were not going to just pick up and keep going. They were going to start fresh and casting is going to be a big part of that. I would expect more of that sort of thing. I think more people than not will be recast in these DC films. The only one I can think of as safe is Margot Robbie. <laughs> That could well be, um, yeah. but but yeah. So I mean, like, but what do you think as far as you said it's expected? But do you think this was the right thing to do, or do you think they should have tried playing with the pieces more? Time will tell. I don't think they should have played with the pieces. I think it's the right move for him creatively. Um, time will tell whether or not good films erupt out of it, um, and I'm kind of hoping they do. But because I'm always cheering for them. But uh, DC has been sort of mired in a in a rut for a while, and I didn't love Man of Steel either. And I haven't loved a lot of the DC films. I've liked a few of them, but most of them I have not. So um, they've been in a rut. They kind of need to decide what they want their films to be. And once they do that and start telling their own stories and stop trying to be Marvel, then I think they will find some success. And maybe James Gunn is the guy to help get him on that path. I hope he is. All right, and Mike. These guys said it all pretty much. Um, I didn't like the first couple Superman movies with Henry in it. And not because of the actor. I 
didn't like it because I didn't like Zack's version of Superman. I am a Superman fan and I have been since I was a little kid. And, you know, like Christopher Reeves was an amazing Superman. And Superman is not supposed to be dark brooding and he's not supposed to be Batman, you know, or edgy. You know, he's not supposed to be edgy. Superman is supposed to be, you know, the blue boy scout basically you know and you know he's you know supposed to be encompassing everything good and positive truth justice in the american way type thing and you finally saw that with henry at the end of the original justice league movie and you know you saw him smiling you saw him actually having fun and this was the superman i was hoping to get in future films and Basically, you know, that was Joss's doing and because you did not see it in the four hour Justice League movie that we we got. And, you know, when they announced that Henry was coming back as Superman, I was looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with it. But at the same time, I was also like, what can they do with him? You know, what are they going to do with him? And I think I'm not opposed to them recasting, you know, this is like you said, it's not, you know, their job now at DC to pick up all of Zach's pieces and play with it. Zach had his own vision. Now it's time for somebody else. And James Gunn is going to bring in his version and everything. And like you said, I think Margot Robbie is safe. I also think John Cena is safe, you know, also. So I think, you know, those folks, you're going to see more Peacemaker. You're going to see Harley Quinn. You're going to see some of the folks you also met in Suicide Squad. So I think we're going to get a lot of that. But do, Henry's going to, you know, fall on his feet. He already has. He's, you know, going to be in Warhammer for, for what, for 40,000 or something like that. And which is a video game adaptation. So I think it's fine. Warhammer's a tabletop game. Is it? That's right. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> it's painting. He he's he's gone to great length about his love of painting miniatures. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of, it's kind of exactly. Fun. So I think like I, I think, said, I dabble geeky stuff here and there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it, but it's interesting too because you know there's still rumor going around that he might be the next Bond. So you know, I think you know. So I'll be very curious to see what's where he's going to land and i'm curious to see what you know james gunn comes up with i'm very curious i have not heard that bond rumor but i am all for it i saw you perk I mean, up as soon as you heard that <laughs> stephanie <laughs> I, I mean there's a lot of people out there who have it all be for being the next bond but yeah i i could get behind a henry cavill one i could just get behind henry cavill so yeah would you rather be in Checking front of him? Checking to make then? sure. No. <laughs> Probably. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, from, from my point standpoint, like, yeah, I feel bad for Henry Cavill because, I mean, despite the fact that he's going to get this whole Warhammer thing that he's got going, I mean, one assumes that since he just heard about the Superman thing, he was going to juggle both projects. So there was probably his potential in his schedule to be Superman and also to do the Warhammer thing. And, you know, because these things don't just happen. Like, it couldn't have been they heard the news last week that he was out and were like, we're going to give you a whole, like, thing that you're going to be executive producer and star in it and all this. Like, it takes time to come up with these projects. So, um, so yeah, I do feel bad for him because I know he did really want to get back in as Superman and was you know somewhat frustrated at the um 
you know, at that Warner's waffling constantly at it. And for, you know, if this news had come like six months ago, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But after telling him that, yes, we have decided you are going to be Superman again, we're going to do multiple movies with you. And then to just come back two months later and tell him, by the way, that's not going to happen. That's the worst. <laughs> that. Mm -hmm. um, but from the standpoint of DC, I think this is the right move. As much as I hate to say it because of, of you know, it just creates more mess in the short term for the fans because pe there are people saying, I'm not going to watch a DC movie ever again. You know, I can't believe this. Oh, and, yeah. 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 But it, it's the, gotten people the, riled up. Basically the, it's another controversy that DC has to like weather um, for this. But I think creatively, since they're basically telling Gunn, they want him to build a, a universe in the same way that Disney has done with both Marvel and star Wars you know and to and to build that out i feel like they had to start from scratch yeah and mm -hmm. you know that's why we're hearing like the rock is out you know also even though that one hasn't been confirmed he did just unfollow dc today so i think that the rock is out he's had the conversation um you know gal gadot's probably out although that one's a little more iffy you know well, like all, all these wonder, and, and, wonder but, woman 3 is gone well they, yeah wonder woman they, 3 yeah. is gone but they didn't but that doesn't mean that they necessarily wouldn't do a different one than Patty Jenkins' version with Gal Gadot, but it's right. likely she's out. Um, oh, 84 was just so bad. Right, yeah, we're bad. not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I agree. Um, and and so, and we know Affleck's not, even though there were some rumors that maybe he would come back as Batman, because Keaton seemed to be hesitant about it after Keaton had agreed to come back as Batman. Mm -hmm. There were some rumors that he would at least guest star in some movies. Um, Affleck is out for sure. They've said that. Like, he could be a director on a future movie, yeah. but he won't be back as Batman. Um, but don't you think, in addition to seeing other actors in these roles, you're going to see new characters that you haven't seen? Yes. In DC. Oh, I think we're going to see Booster Gold for sure. Like right. some of the lesser known but more fun characters, because that's like Gunn's wheelhouse. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we'll definitely see, and we'll finally get a Green Lantern thing, probably. Maybe. Which Green Lantern? We'll see. But yeah, yeah. which Green Lantern? Yeah. But you know, first it was going to be a movie, then it was going to be an HBO Max series, and they fired all the writers, and then they said <laughs> there'd still be one, but it was going to be completely different. And like, yeah, so he's going to have to pull everything together because he wants it to be interconnected the way that Marvel and Star Wars does with right. movies, TV shows, cartoons, all as one seamless entity. So, yeah, I think he had to start from the beginning. I don't think there's any way yeah. to build up. The real right. question is, is he going to include his own material, though? Because that'll be weird if Suicide Squad is the one thing that gets... Suicide Squad and Peacekeeper are, like, the one thing that gets kept and everything else is cut out, so... Peacemaker. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, though, to keep those. Yeah, at least, exactly. at least large, large segments of those. You Especially know. since he wants Superman to start over as a young guy. I'm like, so Suicide Squad's been around for a while. But Superman's just starting out. That seems like a little <laughs> weird, but all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a, the smart move. Um, and, and as much as it's going to hurt to see some of those people, I liked Affleck as Batman, personally. I like yeah. Gal Gadot. Um, you know, I, I've generally liked the casting of the people in the, these DC movies. Uh, I'm going to feel sad for uh, Zach Levy because I have a feeling that a Black Adam's out that like tees out of Shazam too. It's a good um, shot, yeah. And and they've said that Momoa is likely going to be Lobo in the new because they're he's been posting pictures of Lobo and saying mm. there's like this great project that's coming up that's a dream come true. So he's See, not going to be Aquaman. That's a better fit for me. Oh, I think so than, too. I, I think mean, that's a better yeah, fit. Way better. 
yeah so yeah anyway we'll see we'll see what happens because all of that speculation we only know for sure that cavill and affleck are out uh as as their respective characters um but uh but yeah um so yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of all on the same page with just a little bit of nuance uh, on this one. Um, but that has been another five-minute controversy under our belts. And uh, before we way longer than five minutes. Yeah, say, who's watching the time on that? <laughs> before we move on to strange new worlds, <laughs> let's pause for a moment from another fine ESO Network podcast. <laughs> Tune in to the Con Guy Show. Con, as in Comic-Con. We are Hollywood filmmakers and superfans who cover all the news of the Con universe, including the films, the TV shows, the streaming series, the experiences, and the events that fuel your fandom. If you'd find it at Comic-Con, then you'll find it here. Now in our seventh year, the Con Guy Show is a proud member of the ESO Network. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. And we're back. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, so this is a show that we've known was coming ever since the second season of Star Trek Discovery that used some elements of um, of, of the original uh, Star Trek, original speaking of the Captain Pike original pilot uh, version of Star Trek. And I think that at least from the buzz that I heard on social media, this really excited a lot of long-term Star Trek fans who may not have been as excited about Discovery itself. Um, so uh, Mike and Steven, since you guys haven't been on a Star Trek episode previously, I'm just kind of curious about whether or not you watched the second season of Star Trek Discovery and were familiar with Anson Mount's portrayal as Captain Pike and, uh, you know, the the various elements they brought in from the original Star Trek and, and what you thought of that before this show. Um, so, Mike, let's start with you. Of course, totally loved Discovery. And, you know, I was a little cold on it at first. It was like, oh, what am I watching? You know, this, you know, it was a little weak, but it started getting stronger as the first season went on. But then when they brought in Anson Mount for the second season as Captain Pike, I thought this show took off. And it was because of him that I thought the show solidified around him. And it became a stronger character. It got more into the Star Trek mythos. You know, they were searching for Spock, you know, for, for most of that episode. Spoilers if anyone hasn't seen the second <laughs> season yet. But... And I thought it was a lot of fun that they did that. And I thought, I want to see, you know, whatever this man does now. And I want to see him as Captain Pike. And we got our wish when they announced Strange New Worlds. And, you know, I was excited for it and I couldn't wait. And I kept on waiting and waiting and waiting. 
That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like uh, it seems like they do like to announce things and then spend years waiting for them. I'm a little worried about the Section 31 show never seeing the light of day because Michelle Yao is in such demand now that I don't know that they're going to get her. They missed the chance basically to do that one, I think, yeah. because of mm-hmm. her schedule. Um, but but we'll see. Rumors still say that she's excited about it and wants to do it. And it's just a timing issue. So hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, because I, I love her character. But um, yeah, no, I, I also a huge fan of Discovery. Um, and really, I, I, I like the show. I like the show in the first season. And honestly, when when I heard they were bringing Anson Mount in as Pike, my first reaction was that maybe a bit of fan service and we'll see what they do. And Anson Mount just knocked it out of the park he was he 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 really expanded upon he he had a firm grasp of who the character was and then where to take it to expand it um so much so that they were confident to use a clip from the cage in the show um you don't do that unless the char- the actor has really got a good command of the of the character and a firm rooting in what the actor who stepped into the role was also doing, but also is able to make it his own. It's not a character. It's not a, it's not an impersonation. It's not a caricature. It's not, he's not trying to be Jeffrey Hunter. He's trying to be Captain Pike. And that resonates really well. So I, I was, um, I was excited to see strange new worlds get announced and excited to see what they would do with it. I did kind of feel like Alex Kersman was probably, uh, cursing rick berman for using star uh, star trek enterprise because he because he really you know he was saying why couldn't we use that title uh and, and in, in many ways strange new worlds feels like the show enterprise wanted to be mm. but this is a lot more fun than enterprise ever was <laughs> i think enterprise wanted to maybe thought or maybe should have been more fun than it was and strange new worlds kind of you know where enterprise never really found its level um strange new worlds found where enterprise wanted to go i think there's a lot of truth to that because yeah like enterprise was this weird thing where they kept saying like we don't need the fans to be successful but then they would keep like saying like oh well we better bring in this thing though to get the fans to watch it because they're not watching it and then it became this kind of mess whereas strange new worlds i think they know what like good bad or indifferent they know how they want to utilize the show's history and what they want to play with and what they feel confident in changing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it's a very, it's consistent is basically what I'm saying. It's not the sort of inconsistency that enterprise was where it seemed like it wanted to be like really cutting edge, but then was really timid. And so it was kind of like this this weird kind of show that, yeah. It's, um, it's, It's part of, part of my, my, I think we've had this discussion too, where I don't know why, I, I, I don't know why people in doing these shows envision doing a prequel show to a TV show that aired in the sixties now, because trying to retrofit the look and feel and the technology into modern production sounds like a nightmare. I don't know why you'd want to jump into that. <laughs> and, okay. and whereas enterprise didn't really do a very good job with that. I think they were really trying to pick and choose like where they could try a little bit, but just, felt shackled by it. I think Strange New Worlds has gotten enough uh, confidence to upgrade where they feel they need to upgrade for current production values, but not lose the heart of what it is they're trying to tie into. 
Uh, you brought up a really great point, and it's one of the things that I wanted to touch on. Um, are are any of you familiar with either Star Trek Continues or Star Trek New Voyages? Yes. <laughs> I love yeah. the reaction Stephanie had. <laughs> <laughs> Which one specifically, Stephanie, or both? Uh, I'm just sick and tired of Vic Mignogna. Oh, okay, so Continues. Okay. And the fact that he is like, I'm an official part of Star Trek. No, you aren't, you You were doing a fan thing. God, get over yourself. I just, I've been tired of that guy since I started doing conventions in the early 2000s. Um, so, okay. yeah. It, I don't know him at all behind the scenes. I am just talking about the work itself and nothing about. I, I, I've heard some bad things about yeah. him as far as how he treats women and, and things. My so. very first convention back in 2001 i was warned <laughs> mm. um so yeah i old news is old when all that crap broke out like a year or two ago uh but right. yeah so he his very essence completely turned me off of continues no um, okay well I'm, I'm sorry one. to hear that because it actually is yeah. and as they went along i think they did better like a faithful like like beautifully recreated the physical part of the enterprise and i felt oh, yeah. like the actors did a wonderful job trying to embody the characters um and so i'm sorry see steven did you say that you were familiar with either of those no i i've seen bits of them but i haven't really seen a lot okay. of them so i, I would want to comment on that i i more feel like commenting on the the jj abrams reboot <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's another it's probably yeah, in mean, a similar vein, but yeah. I mean, so 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 here's the thing, because you brought up the fact that you know, like you couldn't really like or or like recreating uh like the look and feel of the original would be uh like a real problem in modern times. It would be a lot of work. But I look at something like say Andor, which is a Star Wars thing, and I look at the fact that they like recreated like the displays on, on the terminals, and even mm -hmm. the graphics look like the primitive Atari like style graphics and everything. And I'm just like, oh my God, they like went for it. It's like it's a like this was a new hope time frame. See, like... I kind of find I find it easier to accept that in the Star Wars universe because mm -hmm. it's its own universe. Right. With things like Star Trek and when they revisited the the past of Trek with Enterprise and then again with Discovery and Strange New Worlds, this is our future, or at least it's right. supposed to be our future. Mm -hmm. So they they don't want to entirely go to that past of our modern past in trying to recreate these. They want to actually make it look like it could feasibly be our future. And honestly, I think the Enterprise look was and i mean enterprise in enterprise um, yeah where it was like the basically the space hilton just like the enterprise yeah. D. <laughs> um, <laughs> no i mean i think that one it did look it, it was believable that that was an earth vessel in perhaps a couple hundred years whereas if you look at uh tos now you'd like you'd look at that and be like yeah that that looks backwards from where we currently are because it is it was shot in this it was filmed right. in the 60s i mean you know things right. like people didn't have cell phones you know they we, the cell phones mm -hmm. we have now are basically invented early, you know because of star trek so of right. course right but nice, well, my thing is point. the eugenics point. war gives you a plausible reset button to say that they had to build technology and society up from scratch and that's why it could look like whatever they want it to look like because they didn't have our modern tech because they had to reinvent everything 
thing. And I think that would have been a much, I mean, I, I, I it's an out anyway. It's an yeah. out. I'm just saying that you, like mm -hmm. there, there are reasons, you can create reasons why it looks the way that it does. You're right, Enterprise is the problem basically with doing that. Um, I always felt like <laughs> Enterprise should feel like a submarine in space. Like it should be right. really cramped, really tight. It's the first Earth exploration vessel. And I like they made it the Space Hilton, just like the Enterprise D. So it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> look like it's, you know. Um, Except you, know. you had the uh, space goo decontamination where you had right. to oh, yeah. so that you could have sexy times with everybody rubbing yeah. each other down yeah i know yeah well also yeah. they only had one real or one or two real characters defined on that and everybody else was just sort of also there and that doesn't help <laughs> That's a whole different show, though. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a whole show. but 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 I th I think what it speaks to though, and I, the reason why I'm invoking Enterprise and these other things is like different people have taken different tacks, you know, with that same idea. And so I'm really curious, like, wow, you guys. Feel, I mean, I think Stephanie just told us how she feels <laughs> uh, about it, but like, how do you feel about like? You know, is is it possible to could they have like recreated it more faithfully, or do you think like it's really just not possible to like to to do that? I mean, to to specifically mention the strange new worlds because mm. I was stuck on Enterprise there. Um, right. I think they did a wonderful job in Strange New Worlds of hybridizing is that a word um, the original one and modern practicalities and mm -hmm. special effects and stuff like that, and it was just so so charming and delightful to me to see these very clearly uh modern day sets and set design and props and things like that um but with like the classic sounds and things like that mm. and uhura still having her little earpiece um oh. even though like i'm wearing earbuds right now that my hair completely covers hers is sticking out but hey it's an interstellar communication so yeah it's got to be a little bit bigger than something that's just connecting via bluetooth a foot away from it <laughs> um, I, I will say i was happy that they scaled it back a bit from what they did in discovery because if you remember how they showed the bridge on discovery it had extra hallways going off of it and i was oh, like yeah. what is this like there wasn't that much space on the bridge you know <laughs> so it's like they definitely scaled it back a little bit it made it look at least in size more consistent mm -hmm. with the original bridge even if the displays were all you know updated and, and looked more uh you know high tech but i love that you know they also got rid of the holograms on the ship they yes. got rid of you know a lot of to make it more like to match the 60s technology mm -hmm. but there was no way they could do it you know with all the other you know oh discovery is light years above enterprise which enterprise was supposed to be the flagship of the fleet and so, yeah, there was just some weirdness with that. And that's the problem with new shows doing flashbacks before older shows mm. and everything. And, you know, and if they would have set this maybe in the Kelvin universe, maybe it could have been because that enterprise at least was more modern than the 60s version. Mm. But they didn't. This was, you know, the Picard universe or the original. So... Yeah. But yeah, but but people are watching it, you know, people are watching it now and I think even when you watch the original series, you're you, if you watch it now there's there's a a sense in the audience that well this was made in the 60s and this is why it looks this way. Even though I still argue the original series has some of the best lighting in television. Mm. I agree with that, Fantastic but that's lighting. that's but, just that's to us people our age. Younger people don't see it that right. way. Right. And so so if you're going to make strange new worlds, you're going to make that ship as you would now for 
today's audience and for people who might not have seen the original series, you have to make something that's going to be appealing to them. And I think they've done a really good job of doing that without alienating the fans who did watch the original series. They can see the colors and they can see, they can hear the sounds and they can get the feel of that same ship. And so it feels familiar, even if it is modernized. Yeah, I, I will say this. And, and, and again, it's anecdotal. My daughter came into Star Trek through the original series. I never expected it. I didn't try to get her into it. I had given up hope after I couldn't get her into Star Wars or Doctor Who. And I was just like, she's just not into sci-fi. I'm just not gonna, you know, succeed. And I just happened to be watching Star Trek for myself. And she was just like, she had put down the iPad and was watching it with me. And I was like, oh, do you, do, do you like this? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, we got to do this. So we're we're like midway through Voyager now nice. um, in our we, we've gone through the original. We've done next gen and DS9. And now we're midway through Voyager. I'm actually kind of curious what she's going to think when we get up to the newer stuff, like starting with Discovery or even how she's going to feel about the Abrams stuff, because I know she's heard things and she's already kind of going like, oh, I don't like this. And so I'm like, well, we'll just see when you get there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, she's a kid raised on all modern type stuff. and She likes the original series. So I'm just saying, I mean, it's not necessarily like something that's a that's a that's a turn off you know um you know kind of thing but but yeah no i i do think though if that they did at least do a better job of trying to fit it in than say like enterprise which didn't seem to be concerned at all with like retroactively like fitting things in it was just kind of like you know other than the main idea that this is sort of a precursor to the federation like we don't care at all about continuity we're just doing so you know um there's definitely a, a lot about the ship um that that you know speaks back to it and like i said i was glad they they scaled back from discovery um but um so uh talking about the cast you know so of course we're going back to the original pilot version so there's going to be captain pike there's going to be number one there's going to be spock and they had already been on discovery but then they started announcing we're going to have uhura we're going to have Nurse Chapel. We're going to have Dr. Mbenga, who I, I realize he's not a big known name, but he was on a couple of episodes of the original yeah. Star Trek as one of the doctors on the ship. Um, and um, and and even that we're going to have Captain Kirk. Now, that one is a little bit clever, and we'll get to that in a bit, I think. But I was just curious how you guys felt about, do you feel like they went too deep into, like, let's try to pull all these original series characters that weren't necessarily on Pike's? you know, Enterprise, you know, that we know them from the, from Kirk's Enterprise, or do you feel like that worked or, you know, what do you, what, how do you feel about that sort of usage? So um, let's start with you on this one, Stephen. Oh, oh, right off the bat. Okay. Uh, Cause you know, I have opinions on this. So right. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do feel they went, I think they went a little too deep um, and uh, you know, you, you have to have spot. So mm -hmm. that makes, unless you're going to do something with a storyline where you write them out for a little while, you kind of have to have that character because mm -hmm. that's established, but you don't really need to have Uhura or Nurse Chapel um, or Dr. Mbenga. You, and from many of them, there's not really a reason to have them. I, I like what they've done with the characters in a sense, but um, but there's not really a reason and there's not a sense that Nurse Chapel couldn't have been another nurse, that Uhura couldn't have been another cadet and might have had a better 
a, a better, more places to take that character. This is one of my problems with boxing yourself in on a prequel and is that when you, those characters have to get to a certain spot, you know, the, the, the audience is going to expect this, by, by the, by the time Kirk takes over the enterprise, you know, the, these people are going to be, you know, Nichelle Nichols and, 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 you know, Major Barrett. And it, it's, I, I feel for the actors who have to try and establish a character that has, that is already, especially the more iconic the character, Kirk being a big one, um, the more iconic the character is, the less the actor can bring in their own interpretation because it doesn't resonate with the audience as being the same character, you know? Um, and if you, and if you do resonate really well and do a really good impersonation from an acting standpoint, that's kind of not really very exciting. <laughs> Unless you get to be Don Knotts. And I was about to say, what really about good. Don Knotts, Stephen? <laughs> Don Knotts, there's, there's, there are exceptions, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, I, where are they going to take Captain Kirk that is going to be outside of Shatner, but isn't going to feel, but is it going to feel like it's the same, you know, I, I'd almost rather they leave that alone or create some new characters. Um, my favorite character is Ortegas, who is a new character. And I think there's a lot of places they can go. One of my exceptions with this was Pike, because you had Jeffrey Hunter in ostensibly one episode. And so Anson Mount had a lot of places where he could go, but still firmly root in what we've seen of Jeffrey Hunter's portrayal of, of Pike. And I think he's done a really good job with it. Uh, Rebecca Romaine with, with number one, same thing. Actually, even more so because there's very little of number one in, in the cage. And there's a lot of places that she can go with that character. So there's some, there's some room there. Ethan Peck with, Sp with Spock, less so because of what we know of Spock. So the more iconic the character is, the harder it is for the actor to sort of find their interpretation and do what they do and bring their representation to that character, I think, in, in TV shows. So I'd almost rather they see go to more new characters and, and find some new stories to tell. Yeah, I will say this, though, um, as far as um, Pike goes, even though we do have an endpoint for Pike in the original series, they actually use that to their advantage. Right. By letting Pike have that knowledge and then playing with the idea of what happens when you know that you have a horrible, you know, you have to save these lives, but then you have this horrible future, you know, because of that. And it's like, I like what they've done with that. But again, that's really hard to, you can't do that for every character you're reusing. No. So you it's always, like, exactly, because they based the last episode of the season on that. What mm -hmm. happens if he saves himself? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it, and they did that so well. Oh yeah, that was brilliantly done. Yeah, really, really, it, it was a smart move too to take this this boxing yourself in and make it part of the story. But again, exactly. you can only do that for the one character. Right. Well, exactly, and that's the thing you've got. You can only do that with him. You can't do that with Spock. You can't no. do that with Ohura. And so, and so, it's interesting with that. And you know, that's you know, this is still what five years before Kirk you know takes over the enterprise and so that means chapel is still just a, a nurse for five more years <laughs> and everything she doesn't go you know and you know in the movie you remember he mccoy was bitching because chapel ended up becoming a doctor yeah and so you know she didn't do that before you know that type of thing so and it, it's just I I agree I wouldn't have introduced Chap Nurse Chapel at this point it just should have been some nurse. Yeah, I mean I love I love the actress I, I I like the character that she's coming up with with Chapel I just think it would be more powerful if it were not Chapel. 
Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. I I really like the new Nurse Chapel and the way they're presenting her and everything. But I really have a hard time imagining. I thought it was more than five years that's supposed to be between the two of the them. But I, I'm um, pretty sure they said it was five years before. Yeah, I think so too. I could have sworn it was a little bit longer. But either way, that doesn't matter. Um, I find it really hard to reconcile that the two nurse chapels we know are the same woman. Um, that just seems like a lot of character change in a very short time. Mm-hmm. Um, Uhura, I can see her developing into the uh, Uhura that we all know. Um, Benga, I love him. I think it was great for them to grasp onto that particular character because he was so tiny, tiny utilized in the original <laughs> series. I didn't even remember him and I watched it not that long ago. But he was a character who never, ever stuck with me before. And now I have a reason to maybe deal with Shatner again and go watch it. <laughs> I, I will say the only reason I noted it, and it was only on my latest rewatch when, when we did it for our episode on the original series, mm-hmm. Stephanie, was that uh, I was surprised that I'd never noted before that they had a person of color as a doctor on the Enterprise in the 60s. So I was trying to mm-hmm. note like all the things like there was the Commodore who was a person of color and there was a doctor. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, OK, so, it's, you know, it's not just Uhura. They're showing all these people in like authoritative mm-hmm. positions, you know, uh, yeah. that are that are people of color. And so I was trying to like note that every time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I still wonder what happened to the original doctor who was in the cage. There's a story there. What happened? to that Oh, guy? right. And I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. And so and it's interesting, too, because, you know, when we lost the chief engineer at the end of the season, you know, I was like, oh, are they lining it up for Scotty to come on? And then, you know, are they going to have a younger, you know, actor? Yeah. To, and, yeah, you know, because they no. did. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Because in the final episode, since it took place during the classic series era, mm-hmm. you actually had Scotty on the Enterprise. And yeah. Whoever did it did such a horrible job <laughs> of the voice. Yeah. It just, so it was just like, yeah, no, please don't go there. Um, that that that's something I do love about Star Trek Continues is that they had Chris Duhan doing Scotty. It's James <laughs> Duhan's son. And uh I always thought that was a nice touch. Uh but but Stephanie, I'm sorry, we we kind of cut you off there. Was there anything else that you wanted to say um about this? Um... Well, I I know that I definitely, even though we had a very tiny little taste of James T. Kirk, I liked him better than Pines. Um, And yeah, I just ripped on Shatner a minute or two ago, but that's more the person himself. In this case, I can separate Kirk from Shatner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, I knew Kirk long before I really recognized Shatner as his own separate entity. (laughs) but uh, yeah, I, I did like this Kirk casting better than uh, Chris Pines. Um, I think I like texted you about that as soon right. as I saw that episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, like uh, number one, uh, I, I love Rebecca Romaine um, and I think she's doing a wonderful job uh, developing that character. And I can very easily still see her transitioning into the number one that we saw in the cage um and then well yeah we already have established that anson mount is perfect (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah i I think there's hit or miss here spock i'm kind of neutral on right now i like this guy's portrayal of him Uh, i like it better 
in Strange New Worlds than I did in Discovery. But then again, he was also going through some in Discovery. So um, I guess we can call it a wash because of that. But um, yeah, it's going to be a tricky situation bringing so many of the extras in. Um, but I hadn't actually really thought of it much until you suggested this, that, um, yeah, it, it could have very easily been somebody just a random cadet and a random uh, nurse for Uhura and Chapel. And it wouldn't have made a difference, really, um, especially with how different this chapel is. And yeah, she's a great character, but I just have a really hard time reconciling that they're the same. The others, I can either fully 100% believe it, um, or I can see that they're making their way. They're trying to establish that route, but um yeah chapel it, it's a tricky one to criticize without feeling like i'm ripping on the character or the actress or something like that because i'm not at all um, no i, I completely understand what you're saying yeah no i mean your yeah, chapel's the difficult one for me too i was going to bring that up because and, and i think to steven's point i would have preferred they just had a different character there because mm -hmm. i like the idea of her just being like a really good friend for spock and for it not to go in the romantic direction mm -hmm. but you can tell yeah. they're already trying to go in the oh she has feelings for him kind of thing mm -hmm. and like Maybe even he has feelings for her, which I found a little bit weirder because there was never much indication that Spock had feelings back for Chapel. It seemed pretty one-sided. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, and you know, I, I was kind of like, nah, I would have just preferred, like, this is just like a really close friend that he develops, and that would have yeah. been nice. Um, yeah, and they could have called her Nurse Happel or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, um and, and there's part of that, apple part, and there's why she doesn't become a doctor <laughs> and 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 part of that i think is a little bit i don't want to rip on the actor either because i like ethan peck a lot but part of it is his performance as spock too I, and i've i've mentioned i think i've mentioned this to you nathan a couple that i think the the problem with with playing spock um is that nimoy had what what nimoy did really well was he 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 played the tension of the Vulcan side trying to keep the human side in check. And there was always that tension in his performance. And it was really, really masterful. And for both Zachary Quinto and Ethan Peck, what I see them doing a lot is sort of playing the logic, which just doesn't resonate as well with the character of Spock because he is half human. And it's what elevates Spock from other Vulcan characters. I think, um, you know, Tim Russ did a great Vulcan in, in as far he's he's my as far as playing a pure Vulcan. Tim Russ has got my vote for pure Vulcan. I think he did a really really great job with that. Um, uh, I always thought Kirstie Alley did a really good job with with Savic playing the the Vulcan Romulan sort of blend. But uh, Nimoy had captured something in Spock that no other actor has yet captured i really want to see peck do it i want him to see him find that see i've kind of been accepting the hard leaning into the logic bit with this one as the fact that this is uh supposed to be the transition from the cage into with kirk and he was like damn near giddy in there because <laughs> you know we still hadn't completely uh developed the Vulcans 
when the first pilot was done. And so it's almost like overcompensating for that youthful, emotional burst of uh, just smiling and such. Right. With me, uh, <laughs> he had a harder edge pilot. in the cage. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's just my own personal retcon, I guess. Of Yeah, and maybe over time. Peck will start to get into that. And I would love to see that. I mean, I, I'd be a huge fan to see that. If you're going to play Spock, I'd oh, love yeah. to see that aspect of Spock. Yeah, I, of I, I've, I've, I've had the same issue with, with Spock portrayals because Spock is the character it seems like we get the most, you know, versions <laughs> of over the years. And like, nobody, nobody's done it like Nimoy and nobody, I think, has been able to nail it like Nimoy. And that's a hard one. Like what you were saying, Stephen, the more iconic the character, the harder it is. Because mm-hmm. like Dr. Mbenga... Well, I do feel like, okay, did we really have to include him? Uh, But at the same time, it's like, it doesn't really, nothing about his portrayal bothers me because there wasn't much for him to have to sync up to. Other than that, we're going to have to have the story at some point of why he's no longer the chief medical officer on the Enterprise. That's the only Mm -hmm. thing that we know has to happen because McCoy comes in as the chief medical officer. Yeah, it's like like Pike, but freer, actually, you know. Right, exactly. So, like, that one's fine. And uh, as has been mentioned, like, Uhura, I feel like the actress is playing it in such a way that like again she's she's leaving a lot of room open uh for for that portrayal that she could grow up to be uh the nichelle nichols version of uhura i do have to be the minority report here on number one though because to me she doesn't seem at all like the major barrett version who was described as being basically a computer you know with, with a body and i'm like she is way too like emotional and you know has a lot of you know freeness and everything that is like that doesn't seem like the very hard-nosed character that Majel Barrett was going for in the cage and so that's the one where I'm like it's not even the same character anymore the way that she's playing it well she wasn't the same character from when they introduced her on Discovery even you know she was like oh I want to see them try you know she was very Mm -hmm. emotional she was like you know very like guns at the hip type thing Mm-hmm. But, and I think but part at the of that same is... time the series the, the season rather ended with her being sent to wherever they're sending the augment yeah. so who knows what transitions there and when they essentially get her back if that'll play any part in her personality change because uh, the cage actually happens it. before this though yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Because it happened yeah. before Discovery. And, and, and you was... know, I was just talking about that with Spock, and now I'm just trying to justify her. <laughs> yeah. Okay, never mind. No, it's me. good. But, yeah. you know, I, think, I think it's part of the, you know, part of the part of the story with the cage was that in many, some, a lot of aspects of the cage don't really, didn't really work, which is part of why it was retooled for, for the original series. Mm. And I think her character was probably one that it was very computer-like character in the cage, but once you start running that over a series of episodes, that could get very old very quickly, and they oh, had some sort it, of level of very doing much that. so because it would right. override what Spock was, what they were doing with Spock. I mean, essentially, also, they, they did that with Data in Next Generation too, and and you know you've got to find the humanity in that, right? With Spock, and same thing is you know he's the logic thing, but you know you've got to find the humanity in it, and so I think. That's one where I I can certainly forgive them expanding the character. One, because they have to have that character in there. Again, Mm, unless they're going to write her out, I think you you have to spend some time exploring that character and you have to expand that somewhere or it's going to get really old. 
Well, the thing is, that's the whole thing with it was that they expanded her character big time in this series. They gave her that she was, you know, she's genetically modified. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, this, they've basically made her character interesting, not, oh, she's just a, you know, a walking encyclopedia <laughs> or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. No, they made her character interesting. And I, I wanted to find out more about her because of this. And I'd like to see what they're going to do now because of, you know, her being sent off to the prison. I, I think, yeah. And I agree. I think, I think to Nathan's point though, uh, I, I would agree somewhat that perhaps if they had told that over a longer period of time, that transition wouldn't have seemed so abrupt. And yeah. Because I, I mean, I, when you, when you, when you listen to the, you know, interviews and stuff that have been made, like DC Fontana talks about like the notes they got from the pilot were all about how she was too assertive, which is why you notice when they do the new pilot with Kirk, suddenly the only one, well, actually there was no woman in the pilot who comes in in the second episode that they made, but like, there's no women around anymore other than in like yeoman type positions because they're like, Oh yeah. Like people don't want like assertive female characters, you know, in the show. And they went more for like, like, oh, well, let's make it more of an interracial cast because Pike's yeah. Enterprise wasn't very interracial, but there were women on the ship. Um, although, although Pike does have a line in the cage about how he can't get, he hasn't gotten used to having women right. on the bridge, and he's 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 uh, he's developed a lot since uh, Strange right. New Worlds. That's another <laughs> thing where I would really have liked for them to play with that more instead of just ignoring it. Because yeah. again, there's there's this idea of coming out of the eugenics war, like might like humanity have gone for a more fundamentalist like sort of thing that takes them longer. And we could have had discussions about that, you know, as part of the show, but we're not, but they didn't go there. They went for a simpler, you know, sort of fix. But I do sometimes wish that they would sort of like lean into that kind of stuff and go like, that was the way it was portrayed. And here's like the in-universe reason why and this is why that's not a good thing. And But it, it seems like every generation wants to interpret the Federation as always having been perfect. But yeah. I kind of like the idea of maybe there's always been problems too, and we should look at those problems. But um, but yeah, um, regarding number one specifically, um, I, I, I would have just liked her to be a harder-nosed character. Like they talk about how everybody else on the ship feels like she's that way, but we never see that. She always <laughs> seems really nice and joyful and ebullient. And it's just kind of like, yeah. I, I want to see that harder-nosed, you know, character. Yeah, I'd like to see her be a little tough. I, I wouldn't mind that. But yeah, but you can still expand her and make her, make her more human. But, you know, it's part of her position too. She's got to be tough. Yeah, the other thing that I found kind of weird has nothing to do with cast though. We talk about the augment and the thing about like that's outlawed. But then in the first episode, they have them not surgically altering them to look like an alien race. They say genetically modifying them to look like another race. So I'm like, wait a minute. If, we, if genetic modifications are illegal, why can you genetically modify somebody to look because like another it's race? temporary. I, I yeah. get that it's temporary, but still, it just seemed like a real like... Because I, no, I, 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 I thought the genetic part, especially with the whole thing of, oh, it doesn't work on Spock and, you know, let's have wacky hijinks. I was just like, why wouldn't they just use surgery? That's always what they did. Like, even like in the Bashir type stuff, like yeah. time frame, they would talk about surgically altering people, you know, so it's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it also kind of going off of that, I hadn't considered this, but it does kind of add into Chapel's expertise in the genetic uh stuff because mm -hmm. don't they mention that that say like hobby well not really hobby but not a hobby, like a specialization or, yeah yeah um in, in you know making that technology work and such but yet yeah we're still augments are bad 
but if it's temporary and just to blend in it's fine yeah no i i did i I just found that to be there were a couple things that just sort of niggled at me in this show and that was one of them where i was just like all right i get the genetic modification thing because that's been a part of the story since they introduced kong con but uh Mm -hmm. you know why then are we genetically modifying people to go on an away mission it's almost like you're trying too hard to make it star trekky because surgery isn't star trekky right yeah now because like (laughs) surgery is a really easy thing now you know lots of people have plastic surgery so like let's make it you know like genetic modification to make it more sci-fi um but uh but yeah all right so what about the new characters though because we have quite a few completely original characters that have been introduced in this show and uh who do you appreciate um from that list so stephanie why don't you start us off on that one? Oh gosh i'm terrible at remembering their names already though <laughs> um that's been like one of my biggest quirks with all of the new star treks though mm. is that uh I tend to forget a lot of their names because I feel, I, I swear they don't like showcase their name enough. I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, I'll always remember Saru because I thought they were saying Sulu oh, in yeah. the beginning. I was like, <laughs> wait, his name is Sulu? What? Um, the only name that's popping to my mind is Ortega, and I'm pretty sure it's because one of you already mentioned her. Uh, that would be but, me. Sorry, I'm guilty. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> fine. They were a great character. Yeah. Um, especially loved the portrayal just just how different it was in the fantasy in Vega episode mm-hmm. um like pike was great in that one too just they're they're playing complete opposites of what their regular characters are and i thought it was hilarious um tim was complaining that that episode was too kitschy for how short of the season uh it was i'm like oh come on this was this was star trek 101 right here um <laughs> But I guess I do kind of get it. This was a much shorter season than past ones to have those types of fun episodes. Um, but yeah, have somebody else go while I refresh my memory on all their names. So talk <laughs> about right, them well, better. Steven, would you like to tell us why you <laughs> like Ortega? So I'm, much? See, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be much help because I'm going to say Ortega's. But I I love oh, that character. They have again such a range of both. Um, having a tremendous amount of fun and good you know good rapport with the other crewmates and just complete badassery Mm. and it's 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 such a a wonderful vibrant character and 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 uh the actor playing is she's they're so good but the character is just a really well like i i can't remember a character in star trek like this probably since the closest one is probably um Kira from Deep Space Nine mm. of mm-hmm. just just having the camaraderie with the crew and just being a complete badass at the same time. And I just love that. There is not enough of that in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, funny I enough. I, I, that. I, funny enough, I was gonna say Ortega's too. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, I'm scrolling through the cast on IMDB right now and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she was like the best of the new ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I like her sarcasm. Yeah. Like she's like mm-hmm. always just sitting in the front of the bridge, just like making commentary on everything that's going on. And I'm like, I love her. You know? Yeah. She's listed I mean, I... above Anton Mount in the uh, <laughs> IMDB. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, like the, uh, the, Khan's niece or whatever is is has got some potential, but I don't feel like they've really tapped what that character is yet. There's still a little bit of just 
band service with a name and stuff, but Ortegas mm-hmm. is just a completely original and what a fantastic portrayal and a really interesting character. Yeah. No, I, I, I gotta agree with that. Like, yeah, I just, I, I loved how just like assertive and, you know, just like ready to like kick some ass. She is, yeah. You know? <laughs> but yet, and in that storybook episode, she's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's Even though she's still range. ready for him to do it with anything, she's mm-hmm. just so much more lighthearted about it. And yes, uh, and, and, the, the just and, rivalry with, um, with Pike's character in that one too. Oh, I was just and, and, laughing. And the actor off. looks like they're having so much fun playing it. I mean, mm-hmm. just really enjoying being there. That's just fun to watch. Yep. Uh, so Stephanie, do you, was Ortega's your pick also? <laughs> I mean, in looking through the list here, pretty much. I mean, I do like the uh, the is he the transporter chief. Are they playing with that role again? Um, there's a guy that they kept calling Chief. Oh, I don't, um, I don't remember. I don't remember. So, so I, it's been a quite a yeah. while since I have seen it. Stephanie has seen it much more recently. I was <laughs> waiting for her to watch it to do this episode. So. <laughs> well, and the other, the other one that I think was kind of interesting was actually fairly interesting was the the engineer. Yeah, Hammer. Um, that, that's what I was hoping someone would bring him up. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I, I really, I, I liked, I liked what they were doing with the character, that and I really liked up. having, I liked having an alien in the crew because you don't see enough of that oh, for a science oh fiction God. show. How did I forget about him? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fantastic. But I, I and that I really, really, you know, spoiler alert. Yeah. But <laughs> oh my gosh, I was heartbroken with him. Uh, wow. I am yeah. feeling ashamed of myself now. I did really like him. He was fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah no, yeah. it was really cool. Yeah. yeah, Hammer. Yeah, thank you. He was yeah, he was a really like grounded character. And I just, you know, he kind of he kind of centered the people around him. I, I liked what they did with that, uh, that character. Oh. Yeah, it's and too then, bad that he won't be around anymore. <laughs> yes, that was very sad. And yeah. the way that he did it, though, I thought was very much in line yeah. with the character. But like, oh, yeah. I'm all about everything surrounding the Andorians and stuff like that. So having him on there to get the look at, uh, gosh, I'm spacing on the name of that particular group of them now. Yeah. Um, the Anar. Anar, yes. there we go. Thank um, you. I thought it was just fascinating having him on there to get that other look at it. And, oh, gosh, I just started sobbing when they did have his final send off. And he's like, oh, it's just like Andor. And I was like, <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I, I am glad you remembered him because he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I guess we were all just fixated on our tech. <laughs> Can we can we can we speculate on upcoming characters? Because I'm really curious what they're going to do with Carol Kane. Hmm. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm <laughs> really curious. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm I'm very I'm, I'm kind of curious too. I I don't know that I have a lot like a thought put into that though. Um. 
I was wondering if that was like if the ending of the season was like them giving Rebecca Romaine a way out. Like if she like I was like, did she like making waves or something? Like that she might not want to do the show anymore. So they were giving her a way out. Or is there going to be like, oh no, she's back, you know, season two, episode one, she'll be back, you know, on the show. Um, well, and, and possibly, but you know, from a story standpoint, and this is my problem again with doing all the, the fan service of bringing in all the original series characters, is apart from Pike and Spock, um, if you don't bring in any of the other original series characters, those characters can come and go just like, you know, anything can happen to those characters. Right. And so that's got some interesting things that could develop along the way. But if you box yourself in, then it limits your storytelling. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, because number one, they could write out at some point and, you know, she never carried over to original series. So at some point she left the enterprise somehow we don't know when or how. So they, they're pretty open on that. Although I do think that the people who write the show, like seem to have the mindset that if like a captain just doesn't want to leave the ship, he never does leave the ship. Cause they were like, Oh yeah. If Pike doesn't die, he'll just still be the captain of the enterprise. And you know, like seven years. And I'm like, but <laughs> That's not how the military works. They reassign people all the time. Like, you know, like, I don't know that he would still be on the Enterprise, even if he, like, you know, didn't get that injury, you know? So, well, like, yeah, the the military does that. But, you know, Riker turned down a lot of captainships, too. Yeah, so there is a little I picking was, and choosing in there. Well, that's I a promotion. Say, like, I think those people have uh, watched a few too many of the Riker episodes where he's <laughs> like, nah, I'm stick on the enterprise i think if they just reassign you you just have to take it it's like the it's becoming a captain though if somebody's like hey i don't really feel qualified you probably don't want somebody to be a captain if they're like i don't really feel qualified for this one you know like but i don't know i saw that the same point you did kind of have that happening a lot with picard himself too where he's yeah. constantly bouncing around um well i mean it's not really constantly but right. he does get replaced or sent off on special missions and stuff like that and yeah it's it, like, it, no it, i'm gonna refuse coming that back order. to the enterprise <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty much but um when but you're yeah. on the flagship i guess you can do whatever you want <laughs> but yeah speaking to steven's point like laon they just never seem to know what to do with her she was kind of there yeah. and she kind of gave us her scary story about the Gorn. And then that was like, it was like, oh crap, what do we do with her now? She already gave us the mm -hmm. scary story about the Gorn and now we don't know what to do with her. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we know the backstory with the Gorn and we know she's related to Khan. And apart from that, there's not a character there yet. I, I keep hoping there will be. Yeah. But yeah, she I had have more no of a character in the uh, storybook episode where. Yeah. It, she, she became the girly girl. little princess right yeah <laughs> oh and, man uh, yeah yeah i i don't know what they're gonna do about the engineering role um i really hope they don't bring in a young scotty because i feel like oh, that's just gonna no. be another like thing yeah. it's just like okay no we're too many I of these I, I feel like leave the fan service to lower decks they do it better and it fits mm -hmm. better there <laughs> yeah you know, tell, bring in some original characters and, you know, give yourself some breathing room and tell some fun stories. Yeah, yeah uh, I would definitely appreciate that myself as well. Um, Hammer was brilliant, though. Oh, I'm yeah. For now. anyone who's I'm... listening on the show and wonders what's happened with Mike, um, he, he, he's, apparently been, he's apparently been hit by an asteroid and uh, lost his hologram capabilities. Um, <laughs> 
Elon Musk has canceled the internet in Georgia and he uh, can no longer connect. <laughs> oh, man. That's a um, joke that won't age well, but it's good now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, but yeah, let's talk about like favorite episodes too. Um, you know, we we got thirteen episodes, and you know, uh, what what was one that like really spoke to you? Um, let's start with you on this one, Stephanie. Hmm. I mean, I know I keep bringing up the storybook episode, but that one was just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the final episode was really well done. I, I mean, honestly, I liked pretty much every episode of this I thought was very well done. Um, the uh, oh, and I, I, I'm I said that there were 13 episodes. There are 10. I, I can't <laughs> count, apparently. <laughs> well, none of us were correcting you. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I have learned from other podcasts and I'm finally referencing my episode titles since you always talk in episode titles. And I'm like, yeah, that one with the plot. <laughs> but uh, Spock Amok was, I, I thought that was cleverly done. Uh, it was a very, very cliche trope that they played on, but I think they did a good job of it. Um, and I do enjoy that they are still introducing to Pring and kind of establishing that there's going to be a rocky relationship with the two of them, uh, but showing how they still managed to get to the point that we saw them in uh, TOS. Um, especially the fact that he starts having, oh my gosh, when he had that dream where he's fighting himself, Spock, mm-hmm. I guess I should clarify here, and they started playing the, the classic music. Yeah, I know that music. That. <laughs> yeah, we used to play it on the show too. quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, it, it's just so, so the music of the original series. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I thought that was great how they did that. Very entertaining um but i mean I, I don't think there was really an episode that i genuinely didn't like mm. um there were a few i was a little disinterested in um but for the most part i think this was one of the better first seasons of the star trek which we have talked on other podcasts first seasons of star trek very often struggle yes um I did enjoy Discovery, but the first two episodes I thought were really bad. Everyone, there's golden episodes within each one, but I I think Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks have had some of the strongest um, first seasons uh, of the new Treks and Treks in general. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree that the show has had a better first season than most Treks. And I also <laughs> like the first season of Picard. Um, I know that that's somewhat controversial, but uh, I, I, I definitely preferred the first season of Picard to the second season. And uh, Oh, yeah, you know, same here. Yeah, so, you know, it's... it's. But yeah, I feel like New Trek is doing better with that track record. Although, like you, I felt mm-hmm. the first season of Discovery took a little while to find itself yeah um, and but then once it found itself i was like okay i, I get what they're doing and and, and i'm in mm-hmm. for it but that, i was a little hesitant with discovery in the beginning um yeah but uh, was I. yeah but steven what about you what's uh what's an episode you really enjoyed well i enjoy i'm, I'm gonna join the chorus a bit i um the uh 
uh, I think it's Elysian Kingdom. I, I, I have an episode on my episode list on my screen. So <laughs> Elysian Kingdom, I think the, the storybook episode was just, it was a lot of fun and it reminded me of some of the more lighthearted, fun episodes of Star Trek, which I know it's a 10 episode season. It's not a 22 episode or 26 episode season. So you feel a little more constrained with having the urgency to tell these stories, but sometimes you just have to kind of kick back and have a little fun. And they managed to do that yet still move the story forward. Um, and I mm-hmm. liked what they did with Dr. Mbega's character in that uh, and really found a way to expand that in a way that made sense. So they found a way to have fun and still, not take the entire week off from from moving a story forward um and quality of mercy and i i did go back and watch the uh the episode that it references before that which i wasn't going to do but then i did um and i was really impressed with how well they recreated those scenes in strange new worlds again for um for a modern TV audience, but in a way that had, if you were familiar with the original series, you would recognize and and respect what they were trying to do. And you would really appreciate um, the the level of detail and attention to detail that they gave to that. So I I was really impressed with that, even though I, 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 I wasn't thrilled about bringing in Captain Kirk and I'd, I'd be okay with it if it's the only time that they did was for that episode, but then I don't think it's going to be. And so I'm a little nervous, but um, apart from that, I, I did like, uh, I really enjoyed what they did with that episode uh, quite a lot. So those were really um, standout episodes, I think for me. I did appreciate too, that we got more story to the Gorm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well- just kind of the teasing leading up to it um which seemed to be Lon's only purpose was to tease the Gorn um, but uh yeah they, they were such a an interesting concept to be introduced that then just completely seemed to disappear from most of Star Trek lore um and it seems to be the more recent stuff that remembers they exist um unless i'm just completely forgetting some reference outside of tos um, <laughs> no there have been but, like uh, novels that have used them before but those aren't considered canon and so yeah. like yeah like and, they, and, they haven't really been part of the pop culture or I, the continuity can, can can i can i mention for a moment what a smart move it was it was especially for strange new worlds which had a more episodic nature than most of the star trek that we've been gotten used to the past few years um that what a smart move it was in not only bringing in the Gorn, but doing the whole Bruce the Shark thing with them, if you will, and building them up before you actually show them on screen. Yeah. And because that was that was one of the things in the fans is, what are they going to look like? Is it going to look like a guy in a suit? Um, <laughs> but, but to build them up in a way that really kind of... Um, cemented the mythos and made them feel really dangerous coming in so that when we got them on screen we knew we we had that same sense of 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 dread and 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 anticipation of seeing them um not just to see what they were going to look like but but to see them within a story aspect and i thought it was a really Mm -hmm. smart move to not just throw them on screen to have them 
Yeah, I, you're kind of going in the direction that I was going to go, Stephen, because first of all, I was going to say I'm really happy that the Klingons weren't the bad guys. You know, <laughs> when you're going to original yeah. series time frame and coming off of Discovery, you know, it was like, I, I don't I don't want to see Klingons. We've had enough Klingons that we're yeah. good for a while now. Um, but I thought like the Gorn was a very clever choice. Um, we know that they've had issues with the Gorn going back years before Kirk's Enterprise. Um, a friend of mine did point out that it's like, but it seems almost like they're learning too much about the Gorn, who were fairly mysterious to them in the you know in Kirk's Enterprise. That it's like <laughs> they're they're learning an awful lot, you know, about the <laughs> Gorn. It's like it seems kind of strange that Kirk and them don't know. And also, it does kind of retroactively make the one with Kirk work a little less because the whole idea is, oh, you weren't respecting our breeding grounds well now that we know that they use people as their breeding like you know it's like incubators it's like yeah. wait a minute so their breeding grounds are really just like where they drag their victims to like birth you yeah. know gorn so i'm not there's, sure there's that, an inherent like, lack of respect here <laughs> right i'm not sure that like well, respecting their breeding grounds anymore is like you know really a good solution so if anything, it makes the Gorn almost more villainous in that sense, right. where it's just, you shouldn't just be by us in general, because <laughs> anywhere we are could be our our breeding grounds or whatever excuse they're coming up with this time around <laughs> right but i mean the point of the episode of the original series was that oh actually this was all just a big mistake and if yeah. we had just like let them have their space like we would have been in peace with them and so it's kind of like now looking back and it's kind of like oh no that that doesn't work at all either no. so you know. but that also does kind of play on the naivete that we have a lot of starfleet showcasing mm. Um, which is one of the reasons I think you and I are lamenting a lot about the potential lack of that Section 31 show, because there's always these hints of the good Starfleet and the the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, hopeful Starfleet, mm -hmm. um, and how they often are meshed so well that sometimes you can't entirely distinguish the two of them, and the the good people don't necessarily realize they're falling for the corrupt schemes and things like that, um, which I know is all against Roddenberry's vision, even though it was existing in some of his episodes. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, but I mean, it kind of, if you want to look at it in that kind of retroactively changing the perception of that episode way, mm. it kind of falls to that where it, it oh yeah it was just a big misunderstanding well no actually it wasn't but you want to look at it that way that's totally within starfleet norms <clears throat> right no no and i agree I think like, that made sense the gorn are terrifying <laughs> and that's and yeah. that's the thing it's like it is definitely like a positive for the show it's just one of those things where i was like man if they had just called them something else you know because they yeah. look different and they act a little different i'm like you could have called them the narog you know, just turn Gorn backwards, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think what, what they run up against is, Stephanie, you bring up an excellent point with the, the Roddenberry-ness of, of the original series. And, you know, you can't have any conflict in the... Well, then you can't have any action. So, right. you know? 
And, and well, well, yeah, that's it was what old that's Roddenberry versus now. new Rod because like old Roddenberry, the Roddenberry of the original Star Trek understood that. But yeah. they said like as he got older, he became more like a believer that like the Federation was this great idea. You know, he had built it up in his mind to the point where they were like he was killing great next generation stories because of his right. insistence that no one in the Federation could have a conflict with each other. Like they mm-hmm. all had all conflicts had to be external from something outside of the Federation. Yeah. And it's just like that's you know that that's not good storytelling gene you know so, right you're yeah. really walling yourself in yeah mm. so that's why you see like a big change in tone with season four of next generation and then in ds9 which came out you know after that you know also where like because finally they were able to start telling those kinds of stories within mm-hmm. um you know within star trek again uh but um but yeah so um let's talk about the format you know, uh, Stephen brought it up, but, you know, that is a big change because most television, I think, in general now, or at least most genre television is going towards that sort of season arc thing. And of course, Picard and Discovery do that also. So yeah. how do you feel about it going episodic um, for this show versus, oh, well, it would have been nice if we had like a, a story. We had a few things that sort of peppered through, you know, like it's sort of in the background, but like we didn't really have like an arc for like the the story of this season. So um, what do you think about that, Stephen? Um, I think there's I, I get the sense that there's a series arc for this, not a not a season arc. You know, mm. there's there's a place they want this series to go. But apart from that, I like getting back to the episodic shows um i like the more self-contained shows i love me some some season arcs but at the same time and especially for a rewatch it's you know some of the when you're in a season arc show it's hard to like oh grab that episode in the middle and watch that you know it's because you're always in the middle of something but but when it's more episodic, you can find a favorite episode and almost like comfort food and just watch that episode and feel very complete with that storytelling. And I like having that. And I think there's enough discovery is really good with the season arc. So it's got if that's, you know, there's something for everybody. And I like not having everything be the same thing. So I'm really now, happy only, to have them do episodic. Yeah. If only discovery can stick the landing. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. always tough on those season arcs, isn't well, it? That's one of the themes we've had in our Discovery episodes is with the second and third seasons. Like, we're always like, oh, wow, the build up to the story was great. And then the resolution was like, not as great. And so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know. I've seen it in so many, so many shows with, with season arcs is, you know, they really build up a really good place to you know a really good uh you know back against the wall and then no way to get out of it and yeah there was no way to get out of it right <laughs> oh look deus ex machina all yeah. over Woo! Yeah. yeah that happens a lot in a lot of shows um but uh but yeah stephanie what do you think about story arcs versus episodic for this series i mean i i thoroughly enjoyed it um i've gone off on tangents on other uh, podcast with you where I think that both serialized stories and episodic have their their place in every genre um, and I find the the shorter one-off stories to be a lot of fun it, it's more it, it's more in the moment entertainment than it is a overall investment of entertainment I suppose <laughs> hmm. um 
Now, the funny thing is, is that I was watching it with Tim, and that was actually one of the biggest reasons why it took me so long to watch it, because I have fallen into this thing where he watches all the new Star Treks with me and everything. And for some reason, this one wasn't grabbing him. And so we finally managed to watch it together by him doing other stuff while doing it. And I Mm. found that kind of interesting that he finds more interest in these ones that do have the fuller season spanning story uh, than he did with this one where it was episodic. And um, I I guess in a way, as Steven was just saying, those are the types of shows where you can kind of do other stuff while you're watching it and still get something out of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So perhaps that's the reason behind it, but it's just, it was something I found kind of interesting. Um, I mean, his interest in Star Trek is passing from what he had watched now and then with his dad when he was a kid. And then, you know, the last decade and a half ish that we've known or been in a relationship together. (laughs) Um, And well, he, he knows that I tend to say Star Trek is in my blood. So uh, yeah, it's something that he has mostly been introduced to primarily through me or just random pop culture. Um, His best friend actually also is somebody who's like you. I will just, eyes will glaze over for other people while we're just talking (laughs) Star Trek nonstop. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was just an interesting uh, realization of how he perceived it versus Mm -hmm. the other ones. When in the Star Trek fan community, uh, I mean, you have a lot of that conflict as to, oh, Star Trek should be episodic. Oh, no, the serialized stuff is great and blah, blah, blah. And to have a more casual viewer uh, be less invested in the one that returned to its roots, so to speak, um, is interesting. Yeah. Um, but I personally really enjoyed it. Um, I would have no problem if they decided to go into a full serialized version uh for the next season but i think it would be detrimental to the fans that it created from being episodic um and i think that they managed to do well with episodic in such a short season um i definitely wanted more (laughs) (laughs) um it was too short of a season but yeah, it's kind of funny when you describe that because that's how I got Beth to watch Doctor Who with me actually was she she wouldn't watch it with me like uh, like she kind of tried because I tried watching from the beginning so it was black and white too and she was mm-hmm. like I can't really watch this and <laughs> so I started having her do other things in the room like while like I was had it on the TV and so mm-hmm. like, that's how she got through like early Doctor Who um, <laughs> until it got to color anyway and she started like actually <laughs> sitting and watching them with me um, but uh uh, but yeah, oh, and I I just realized that we got started talking about the Gorn and I never said Memento Mori. I think I mentioned the title and we got started talking about the yeah. Gorn. Like that for me was the episode that was like, yeah, it was kind of an homage to Wrath of Khan, you know, like the bit in the nebula and they kind of like made a whole episode mm-hmm. about that. But I really like that sort of like psychological tactics in a situation where like you can't like everybody's kind of at a handicap and, you know, like that sort of like cat and mouse game sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I really liked 
that episode for that aspect and so that was one of the ones that i was really engaged with it was like yeah, yeah. like that this was is... another really well done one like i said this season but for first season of a star trek it was like so well done <laughs> yeah i gotta say i was not a huge fan of the first episode i felt like that one was a little iffy but pretty much the rest of the season i was i was pretty happy like i say like the stuff with spock's like genetic modifications like not where i was like this is so tropish and it's just kind of <laughs> like uh but yeah like the rest of the season i was pretty happy with overall yeah. although i do want to echo steven's thing about you know i usually worry about going back to something so specific as going back to a particular episode and so i was a little worried with quality of mercy you know about what exactly they were going to do with saying hey what with Cap- uh, pike was captain of the enterprise and i was pretty happy with it overall um mm-hmm. i think that they did a good job i felt like actually trying to shoehorn kirk into it was the biggest failure of that episode because yeah, it's like oh somehow though kirk's ship was somehow in the area so that he could help out too even though in the actual version of this episode like there were no ships nearby that could help them you know like and so it's just kind of like i just wanted to see pike in that position and to see what mistake he would have made that kirk wouldn't have made you know kind of thing and i think that would have made it a stronger episode than being like hey we want to show you we've got a kirk not just (laughs) sam kirk you know, because I did appreciate that joke when they kept saying oh, yeah. there was going to be Kirk on the show and you thought it was going to be like a young James Kirk. Really and that. then that it was, was Sam well Kirk and it was like, oh, yeah. OK, so they Thanks. just kind of faked this out. I, I appreciated that. Yeah. And 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 Stephanie, I wanted to get on the episodic thing because I think you touched on a really interesting point, because it occurs to me now at this point, Star Trek. It feels like if you've not watched Star Trek up to this point and you wanted to dive in, there's a lot of prerequisites, you feel like, for almost any show you'd want to jump into, except Strange New Worlds. Because of the nature of the show, you could jump right into Strange New Worlds. And really, you might miss a couple of references here and there, but you you won't miss a beat. And I think that's really what it's what it's tailored for is is as much as the Star Trek fan is the more casual fan who hasn't seen Next Generation and Deep Space Nine Mm -hmm. and doesn't bring all that in and just wants to watch see what Star Trek's about. I mean, Prodigy does a pretty good job with that, too, where you only have to have minimal knowledge. I mean, really, you don't need any. Uh, That's true. But that's also pitched for a younger audience, too. So they're assuming as kids, they probably haven't seen any other Star Trek. It's still, I mean, I've only seen the first half of the season. I didn't pick up the second half again yet. But I mean, I still thought that one did a fairly good job at being. But yeah, again, it is pitched at kids. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot more um, self-contained. Mm-hmm. But I, I appreciate that they're doing Star Trek that does that, that yeah. mm-hmm. continues to bring in new Star Trek fans. Although I will yeah. say this, though, there are a lot of people that when Discovery came out was like, oh, this is a travesty. I'm not watching this and I'm not going to pay for a streaming service to, you know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. pay for CBS All Access and all that. And those people are coming in for Strange New Worlds. Like there are people I know who are mm-hmm. like, I haven't seen Discovery. I haven't seen Picard, but I like you know, they're doing episodic trek, so yep. I'm gonna watch Strange New World. So I wish that some one of those had been, you know, wanted to be on this episode because I would have loved to have talked to that. As I'd be curious to see, like, did Strange New World satisfy you or are you like, no, I'm not gonna watch this anymore either? 
Because um, yeah. on the other side of the spectrum is my mom, who I couldn't believe. My mom, of course, saw the original series when she was a kid. It was probably like the one sci-fi thing like she watched like on her own until she was married to my dad. Um, but like, you know, like, but she remembers seeing it because it was like family viewing. It was like she's one of six kids. They all sat around the TV and watched the original Star Trek together. And I have no idea how many she watched or how often, but she at least saw it. And mm-hmm. um, and she talked, you know, and she's seen like the newer stuff. Like I, she watched Next Gen when we were young, but she never got into DS9 or Voyager or Enterprise. But she's watched like Discovery and Picard. And then she was like, oh, I hated Strange New Worlds. And I was like, what? Really? And she was like, yeah. She was like, I just thought it was ridiculous. And I was like, really? And so That's like, yeah. kind of along the same lines as Tim, though. Like I, mm-hmm. I was saying, he, he enjoys watching the other ones with me. But this one I had to like, I don't even remember how I finally got him to sit down and watch watch it with me. I know I was telling you I was about ready to start just right. No, I know. I was like, I was like, do you have to Um, wait for Tim because like maybe you can just watch it on your own? You know, if he doesn't want to watch it. About to do that when finally he just sat down and watched one with me, but like he couldn't keep his attention on it, and it was it was kind of fascinating to me in that sense, and that's similar with your mom. Um, That's just it. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's an I, interesting take because it feels like such old school Star Trek that I would think it would just plug right into that sensibility. So it's an interesting perspective. But yeah. again, both Tim and Nathan's mom were not big Star Trek fans that's what, to begin with. Right. But that's what I mean. So, it's it's like it seems like prime for that kind of audience, and yet mm-hmm. doesn't reach. That's interesting to me because mm-hmm. it seems to me like much more than much. You couldn't just jump into Picard. No, you know. Right. <laughs> Oh God! I, I trying to jump right into Picard. That would be yeah, interesting. <laughs> Ouch! Because <laughs> <laughs> that is very referential and very yeah. much oh, yeah. like you need to be steeped in some Star Trek lore. Yeah, not just Picard. Watch three other not, Star not Trek shows gen, just but... to know have a clue what's going right. on here. <laughs> yeah, not just Next Gen, but like Voyager two, and you know, all sorts yeah, of and, stuff. and at least at least a few movies just to <laughs> right. Um, helps to have a little bit of DS9 knowledge too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say that generally I do prefer story art. Like, you know, I was one of those people in the 90s when I saw that sort of resurgence of serialized storytelling that hadn't been around on TV since the 60s. And I was kind of like, oh, I like that. You know, like, wait, you have to watch every episode of Babylon 5 and it matters, you know, and like they can tell mm-hmm. a bigger story because like all of these episodes lead into each other. Like, that's amazing. Like, they can go to places that no show like ever goes and then ds9 started falling you know about the third season yeah. fourth season of ds9 they're like hey you know babylon 5 is doing pretty well so we should kind of imitate that and so they started becoming more interconnected again right <laughs> so you know like like and then other shows started and then like around the year 2000 like it just seemed like every genre show was doing a story like at least a season arc you know of of well, you yeah. know a story well, and, yeah, Babylon 5 and, and then Buffy to a bigger extent probably really facilitated the season arc in, tel- in television. Right. And so, you know, I've always been a big proponent of that because I felt like serialized storytelling never got you to the places like narratively or emotionally that, uh, or I'm sorry, the standalone storytelling never got you to the places narratively and emotionally that a serialized show did. Um, 
I appreciate what they're doing with Strange New Worlds. Um, I feel like they're trying to link things together in more subtle ways. Um, and I feel like so they haven't completely just made it as standalone as, say, the original Star Trek was, where very little ever carried over from episode yeah. to a different episode in the future. Um you know, because there are there are character moments or things where, like, you know, talk. You know, we we start with Pike, who's basically given up on everything because he knows he's going to end up in that wheelchair all burned up, and you know, getting him. You know, and so that sort of becomes a conversational piece in some of the early episodes, and then it really blows up in the final episode of the season. As far as like, this is what this episode is about is dealing with that, um, mm-hmm. and and so we have a few things like that where we have sort of peppered conversations throughout the season um you know that then might get a much bigger thing within an episode you know just to show like okay we're subtly building something so i think i think they've sort of kept enough of those elements in there yeah i would say if 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 they want to do standalone though i'd prefer they did more episodes uh because that's the thing it used to be like when we had standalone shows you would do 24 at least episodes a season you know and it's now Mm -hmm. been like now that they're going to story arcs they've been sort of tightening up the seasons because it's like well it's really hard to tell one story over 24 episodes but if we tell one story over six or ten or something like that you know we can we can do that and so i feel like we're getting the length of a of a season arc story but it's like guys if you're going to go for episodic just go old school all the way and give us the long season because you know that would be nice i think tim had a point in pointing that out about the elysian kingdom and that was probably the biggest drawback of that episode um i thought they did a really great job with that episode and like the the way they handled mbenga's daughter in it oh it was heartbreaking and i was mm-hmm. crying but it was also happy and sweet um but it was a really great classic truck episode so to speak um but with it being such a short series, uh, such a short season, I can see why that episode was kind of off-putting to a viewer like Tim, where it was just so out there and different from all the other episodic episodes of this season. And without having more time to spend on the other characters and the other stories that feel a little bit more less out there, <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. It was, I, I can see how that would be a, a negative to that episode. Mm-hmm. I think at least Steven and I have a bias against it because it was a very uh, classic type episode and it was a very fun one too. But yeah, without that longer season, it does kind of stick out. Like, I mean, it's the first episode I kept thinking of, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't necessarily my favorite of the season, mm-hmm. it was by far the most different and such a short season only 10 episodes it really really stands out Mm. yeah but i think the short season too is also just um the nature of television now it's you know it's you know if you do a longer if you do you know 24 or more uh, episodes a season you've tied up your your actors and your production team for an entire year and they can't do other projects and that's just not where we are in television right now you know we're just mm-hmm. you know you tie them up for a little bit of time they film something they go do other things they come back that's that's sort of where we are in television so i, I don't see that happening especially yeah. with streaming is and and even broadcast is becoming more along those lines and and pulling back from the 24 episode season 
I'm I'm just saying Daredevil Born Again it's going to be 18 episodes and just that stuns just me to my core. <laughs> Yay! I, I, Charlie Cox is like that. I don't need to do other projects. I just want to be Daredevil. Just let I, me be Daredevil. <laughs> I was happy to see that but I'm like really? That's like a that's like an old broadcast TV sketch. <laughs> Yeah, um, I know that oh, has that no bearing on this. I just, yeah, I just wanted to poke holes in your argument. Yeah, uh, no, it's, no. It's, it's it's the exception. There are exceptions, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, and that makes me so happy because Daredevil was my favorite of all those shows. So yay! Yeah. Even yeah. if they do a tone change, Charlie Cox is coming back, so that that makes up for anything. Charlie Cox is back. Yeah. So so we've touched on it. And I think my final question that I want is a defined question before I just ask you guys if there's anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about yet. All right. So we talked about Spock. We talked about Depraying, you know, being in the series. Do you do you enjoy that aspect of the series? Uh, because it has been sort of a running thread throughout the background of the entire season. I mean, do you, do you feel like that needs to be as front and center as it has been? And how do you feel about this whole thing about supposedly emotionless Vulcans having a lot of time discussing their relationship and sex and all that kind of stuff, you know? So I, I'm just kind of curious about that. Cause it's like, it's like they, they went for it, you know, like quite, quite a bit of the season is devoted to this. So um, Stephen, what do you think about, you know, uh, that, that aspect of this season? That's actually the aspect I like most about what they've done with Spock's character, actually, mm. um, because uh, because it does force Ethan Peck to talk, confront more of the human side of Spock, which I like to mm. see a lot of. I like to see that. I like to see that struggle. Um, and it, it, I think it adds an interesting aspect to to Pring in a way that it's not sort of so much like an emotion, like you know, like sex seems very biological and so you would think lots of species would have these things and, and there would be a, a mechanism around those things and, and i like to see those discussions of those sorts of things but i like to see um to pring is a lot more calculating in strange new worlds and it and it feeds well into what we see in a mock time in the original series in a way that it doesn't feel like fan service it feels like it's filling in some of that story and so I'm really enjoying it. I think they could go too much with it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah. Stephanie? I agree to a point. Um, I think that it is giving an interesting um, dynamic between the two of them. Uh, it really does lend more to what you see of her in the original series. Um I think it's fascinating to have her being so actually interested in trying to accept the human side of Spock and that she finds it interesting herself. And that isn't a, a um, negative to her as he feared it would be. And having him actually worry about that does show that, yes, there is that human side to him. Um, that he has to try and battle, even though they went very uh, literal with it, even if it was a dream, uh, <laughs> with, with, the, with the classic music. Of, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I did love that scene, yes. yeah, I did, too. I, I chuckled it, it was, quite a bit. I did, too. Even Tim got that reference, too, so that was fun. <laughs> um, but then again, when I was watching the original series not that long, actually, that was a couple of years ago already, but whatever. He would always 
catch that music too. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I think they have the potential to go overboard with it. Um, but if they manage to keep it on the back burner where it is now, where it's it's mentioned here and there, um, but it it isn't in the limelight like it was in the one episode of Spockamock. Um, I think they can keep it an interesting little subplot that, as you were saying earlier, with mostly with the Pike stuff, yeah, it's episodic in there, but there are the little serialized story elements woven through it. Um, but just like the Pike stuff, uh, Spock and T'Pring are uh, contextualized enough where even if you don't watch every single one, I mean, I might be biased because I did watch every single one, but I feel like they put enough context in there where you would still be able to pick it up yeah. um, if you had missed an episode or two here or there. Yeah. But yeah, it it, it borderline... It, right now it's good, but I can definitely see that they could overstep that line oh, pretty sure. easily of it becoming a... Star Trek romance stories don't usually end well thing. <laughs> and it's not because they're tragic or anything. They're just written poorly most of the time. So Yeah, I, I gotta say, I, I find it a little messy just because I feel like they're trying to because because we gotta remember Vulcans are a completely repressed society. Like completely, like completely repressed society they view all emotions as a problem they like this is complete overcorrection of a trauma like in an individual somebody mm -hmm. who's been traumatized to the point that they completely present as unemotional is 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 harmful as a society they apparently were so warlike and so destructive that they traumatized themselves as a society to the point that they have created institutionalized trauma averse behavior of of like mm -hmm. training their children to be emotion presenting they all have emotions yes but they all present as not having emotions i feel like they're going way too into the emotional side for a character like the bring and for people who argue oh like what you think they only have sex once every seven years yes that was the whole point and because it's a week of just pure sex that's why they always produce children all, you know? So it's like, yeah, they do. That's how their society handles it. You know, like, you know, that's, that's what it is. It's not like a regular thing that they do all the time. So I don't know. I found like the whole to bring thing. And I found like everything that they're doing with sort of Vulcans outside of Spock is trying to like bring them too much into being, oh, they're just really like humans, really. And I hate that. I was like, no, this is completely alien culture. Like the whole way they do everything seems weird to us and it should. It shouldn't seem like, oh, they're basically humans. They just don't talk about it, you know, like uh, with outsiders or whatever. Like, you know, like they're they're in the act when Pike's calling, you know, like, I mean, it's like, so not even like that circumspect and how they're doing it, you know, so it's like, I don't know. I I, 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 mean, I have I, problems with how Vulcans are handled often. So. I didn't quite get that feeling at all. Um, like I said, I got it more that it was her kind of being intrigued by his human side, um, kind of indulging in that. I've never taken the Ponfar to literally mean it's only every seven years because how would that line up too biologically speaking it's always i feel like years are not going to line up properly there <laughs> but i i i feel like you gave me a questioning look uh what i mean is like i feel like 
different individuals would be out of sync with each other. Oh, no, no, they mind meld as, ch- as children when they're where their parents do the um, like the uh, uh, what do you call it? Not engagement, but um, what do you call it when you present you tell two children they're going to get married someday? Um, I don't like an arranged this. marriage, yeah, like an arranged mm-hmm. marriage, but there's a term for that. I forgot yeah. what it is, but anyway, like, like a, a real troll? world term, like um, like noble families used to do it. You don't call it engagement, you call it. Is it betrothal? Betrothal, thank you. So, like, oh, when you yeah. do the betrothal thing with the children, you know, <laughs> no, you, you mind, they that. mind meld and they synchronize. Like, this is how it's always been mm. described. And again, extra material, but like, and so I that don't... way that they they mentally call to each other every Was seven that a years. Because I don't remember that at all. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. It's it's been a thing that's been in the books, but it's been a thing that's been fairly okay. accepted by the fandom. And it's like it just seems it seems like that's the only thing that makes sense from what we've seen in the original series and or even Voyager. Well, see, what I was getting to is uh that I it seemed to me like every seven years an individual has a I must boink or die thing um, but it's not that that's the only time they can breed or mate or however you want to phrase it um because i mean you may say that that's fairly accepted in the fandom but this is the first time i've actually ever heard that they are mind meld together when they're yeah, but i mean how often <laughs> do you do you go on like actual fandom type stuff or you just watch the shows i mean it's like this Dude, is something that's been communities part... oh okay <laughs> well but and and and, and you know if if for the, for the point that you know they 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 only mate once every seven years is that is that vulcans or is that just marriage because I'm not sure, but, but, um, but, you know, I, I, I think what I, I like about T'Pres, I don't find her as being sort of emotionally, I find her very calculating, which could be very logical. And it could be, you know, I, I, I find that within the parameters of what I expect from Vulcans is just within her character, because I wouldn't expect all Vulcans to be exactly like each other, like they're clones or whatever. Or they're the same. They'll have personalities, but they'll right. all be within certain parameters. And her personality is 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 very calculating. And again, it, it's, it's an interesting aspect to see how she plays off of Spock being half human that I find interesting. Mm. No, it's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, because to me, like, the only way Ponfar makes sense, to get to Stephanie's point, is, like, it is an overcorrection for their lack of emotion the rest of the time. It's, like, just, you can only repress it for so long, and then suddenly it just all comes out, you know? So that's, like, kind of, like, you know, <laughs> they they've, they've keep it pent up for that long, and that's just what happens. <laughs> Which, you know, again, I, mean, I, I... That I, still I, fits with my theory of, you know, they can get it on whenever they want, but every seven years if they don't bad things happen well even if they do every seven years something it's going to erupt somewhere because they're repressing so much anyway mm-hmm. and they're probably married by that point so every seven years <laughs> but yeah no i yeah yeah I thought it was a bit much, and I and I feel like they try to water down Vulcans quite a bit. I'm I'm still happy about Tuvok because I feel like he's one of the few Vulcans that's been allowed to get away with just being a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, best pure Vulcan character they've written in, right? And yeah, best, like, best portrayed. Tim Russ right. nailed it. Because even yes, Sarek, it's like when they brought him into the next generation, they're like, "But wouldn't it be interesting to see Sarek with unrestrained emotions?" And I'm like, "Did we need to do that, no. guys?" <laughs> because mark leonard was killing it you know like. yeah <laughs> but anyway oh, that's right they introduced cyborg yeah they did introduce uh, cyborg yeah, they did yeah I, I i figured so so did you did you figure it out well before like oh, yeah. They, yeah yeah 
I, I didn't mean, feel like I, the reveal I had was... very strong suspicions that it was going to be Cybok. Yeah. Um, and when they confirmed it, I was like, oh, yeah, this could be interesting. <laughs> that would be the real case study. Does Cybok yeah. go through Ponfar because he is not emotionally repressed? That well, would be the case. Yeah, study. that's true. <laughs> I, I was, I was just, I, my reaction was, well, maybe they'll make that movie make sense, or right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll make it matter. That was the other thing that annoyed me a little bit, though, because they talked about Kolinar as if every Vulcan does it, and I'm like, no, that's like only like a very few individuals go through Kolinar and like completely purge themselves of all emotions. That's not supposed to be like a, oh, have you gone through your Kolinar yet? Like that's not a thing <laughs> that all Vulcans do. You know, like, I don't know. I There there were a few things with Vulcans that I was really unhappy with in this show. And that was one of them. Because I was like, because that's the whole reason. Like, if you read the, um, the Star Trek V novelization, which the script writers actually wrote. So the intention of them was that that's what happened. Cybok's mother went through Kolinar and purged herself of emotion. So she was just like, she had no, like, care for her own child. And so that's mm. why he went completely the other way. Um, And so, you know, that's... You know, I think that saying that all Vulcans go through Kolinar is kind of kind of messy. But anyway, uh, so Stephanie, was there anything we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? Hmm. Well, we don't need me going off on a gushy. Oh, everybody is so beautiful rant. It is um, a very attractive cast. You know, I hadn't and... thought about that in those terms before you said it. But yes, it is a very attractive <laughs> cast. Picard season three, I'm going to be like panting over here. Uh, I apologize in advance. <laughs> what, you like the um, older versions of all the actors? Oh my gosh. Um, Beverly, I swear, she's more gorgeous now than she was back in the 90s. It's McFadden, yeah. Um, she has aged beautifully. On our last Picard episode, I went off on how I never thought much about John Delancey in terms of looking at him. But oh, blah, that's blah, blah. right. That's right. Um, you like the older John Delancey. All right. When they were... Worf is another character I never really thought much of. Michael Dorn's a, a decent looking man, but never really anything that caught my attention. They released old, old, old Worf and holy moly. Um, yeah, whoever is in charge of makeup and costumes and all that stuff in the new Star Trek universe, wow, they are pleasing my little bisexual heart here and making these shows even more entertaining. <laughs> um, I see why you married uh, a man with premature white hair. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that before, although I, I do prefer when he dyes it to a... I like it how he's doing it now where it's a very dark gray, not quite oh. black or brown, but very dark gray. Um, it's working really well for him. He finally got a nice haircut too. And oh, <laughs> lately I've been staring at Tim more than I have in the last, like, I don't know. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm just having my own awakening here. <laughs> and, and the older look. I don't know. <laughs> it's working for me. I'm cool with it. And yeah, Picard season three is going to be fun to watch. And I'll keep happily watching Discovery and uh, Strange New Worlds with this costume designer and makeup artist. And whew, everybody is very beautiful. I am really glad that women tend to find that men look more attractive as they age. I don't know why, you know, as I look at the gray hair that starts appearing in my hair, I would think that, but 
as Beth has I mean, already I think told me. Everybody's looking better at this age. Like Jerry Ryan is just <laughs> knockout gorgeous. Now, I mean, she always was, but wow, she is absolutely stunning now. And like I said, John Delancey is the one that really gets me because I always thought he was kind of weird looking, and now it's just like, oh, where have you been? <laughs> I I don't mirror you at all with the Picard actors, but that's fine. (laughs) You know, I'm glad that you're appreciating that side of them. I am looking forward to seeing a lot of those characters again. Just, uh, yeah. Um, But yeah. I mean, there's also just the whole, you know, seeing where the characters have progressed and all that. They're going to be pretty to look at while. while Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping, see, what I want is the just gray from like, you know, from like the middle down, you know, like that's what I want. (laughs) I want the, I want the old like college professor look. Um, Beth and I joke about that a lot, but um, come look, you could probably rock it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Stephen, uh, what was there anything? Uh, oh, wait, Stephanie, was there a legitimate answer to that question? Because we kind of got off <laughs> oh. about like everybody looking hot. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I did go off on a tangent there. <laughs> I was fine with it, but you know, right? Yeah, no, if that's your <laughs> answer, that's your answer. I just, I just want to know. I'll stick with it. Okay. <laughs> Leave more for you two to talk about here. Okay. I'll, I'll stick with me coming across as the horny woman on this podcast. <laughs> I was going to volunteer, but I don't think I'm qualified. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, Stephen, was there something that you wanted to talk about with uh, Strange New Worlds that we haven't mentioned? Well, since uh, Nathan, uh, your earlier comment, I keep thinking about two Vulcans talking about have you scheduled your colonoscopy? But... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, the, the the other thing, and I don't want to leave it on a on a down note because there's I like the show a lot and I'm really enjoying it. But um, I will say that we haven't really chatted about the costumes yet, and the mm. costumes just oh, aren't yeah. nailing it yet for me. I thought they were wonderful in Discovery, the Enterprise ones in Discovery. I thought they were good in Discovery, um, and I thought they were, I, I almost thought they were too much of an improvement or too modern. But I <laughs> but I liked what they were doing. Um, in in the first season of Strange New Worlds, they just look like V-neck T-shirts to me, mm-hmm. and it's just not not doing it for me yet. I'm hoping that they find they find that sweet spot. It's a tough needle to thread because you're trying to match to again '60s television and make it look consistent, but not. And it's it's really hard. So I'm not. I don't want to you know, I don't want to pounce on them for it, but it's just not hitting it for me yet. I agree I with you there. there. I never felt that they needed to change. I mean, like Starfleet apparently has just like so many admirals arguing about uniforms right now that it's just like ridiculous that it's just like, guys, pick one. It's fine. Like it doesn't have to match exactly. We can just say at some point between now and Kirk's Enterprise, we change uniforms. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to like be like a lot of anyway. So right. Explain it. Yeah. Yeah. I I know. Cause yeah, I feel like they've changed too quickly from discovery to later discovery to strange new worlds. And I'm just like, just pick one guys. This is like the problem they had when they were doing the next gen movies and doing DS nine and Voyager at the same time, but they wanted them all to have a unique look, even though they were all happening at the same time. Right. (laughs) Lord, the lower decks kind of established that different ships can have their own uniforms too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that kind of, but yeah. And then you know, you're going to get to the point where it's like Star Trek generations where like every character is wearing their own version of a uniform. Yeah, right. and they, <laughs> that was the other problem too. Is like, and it's, 
they didn't have enough new uniforms so some were still wearing the old uniforms mm-hmm. while they were yeah. wearing the new yeah and at least voyager made sense of okay once they're away from the rest of starfleet they don't get the updates Right. Uh, what the new uniform is but it was just ridiculous that like two years previously they had updated the uniform and then once voyager disappears ds9 is like oh by the way you've got to update your uniforms now and it's just like guys like they wouldn't change them that often but whatever (laughs) whatever um yeah, I mean, I think we talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. I mean, we could get into like specifics on particular episodes or things. And I think that I brought up like the sort of theme things that like, well, I like the Gorn, you know, like I do feel like it does present a little bit of a retroactive continuity problem with the episode they appeared in the original series. See, Stephanie, I don't know all the titles off the top of my head. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I actually am cheating and have Wikipedia open at the same time oh. as I have Zoom open. So I go over to okay. Wikipedia and look at the titles. So you've been doing what I've started. Doing Ooh, right, exactly. Long. I had it up before I started the Zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, move. But uh, yeah, I mean, and and you know, I brought up that I and I have have some snipe niggles about the uh, about the Vulcans in the show. But like overall, though, I think the show is really great. I, I am enjoying mm-hmm. it. I'm enjoying Anson Mount, which I haven't really said. I didn't really get a chance to talk yeah. about that. I think you've all mentioned it, but um, I really enjoy Anson Mount. He was one of the standout things about Discovery season two. I feel like for a character we don't have a lot of background for, he's really nailed something that feels consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to like the horseback riding, which is such a little detail that gets thrown in on the cage where we see his like mm-hmm. memory of, you know, like the colony where he lived and the horse and, you know, that he had and all of that. So it's like, you know, like they're they're bringing in all those little touches. And apparently Jeffrey Hunter's son has endorsed his performance <laughs> also, which I don't know if they needed, but it was nice that they got that as someone who knew you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the actor, you know, intimately, um, yeah. was also somebody that said like, yeah, this is something that my dad would be proud of, you know? Nice. So yeah. And his, his captain Pike is giving captain Sheridan a run for his money with the hair. Let's see. Right they get, they've graying his hair just for Stephanie and it's working. <laughs> but she means how big the hair has gotten is like, his has, hair it really has grown. Right. Thing. Yes. Yes. Nathan and I have this running thing about, uh, Sheridan and his hair in Babylon 5. So. <laughs> how, how, how much hair product does he have to get in to make it that rigid? <laughs> yeah. Him and him and Pike would definitely have a sense of camaraderie about their hair. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so I love Anson Mount as Pike. I think that is the best of the recasts mm-hmm. uh, that they have done for sure. Mm-hmm. And like I 100%. say, like he's doing he's doing a lot with very little to go on. And mm-hmm. seeming to expand where there was room for expansion and like keep things in that were from the original character which i really really like yeah Mm -hmm. it feels consistent yeah Yeah. i like that it does um so yeah i mean we'll just see where it goes season two you know uh we're definitely getting that at least and um Mm -hmm. hopefully things will get better but but no young scotty guys no 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 we we, we need an engineer but it doesn't have to be scotty and we don't need oh sorry Oh, I was gonna say if they don't if they decide not to go so much with Kirk, I'm fine with that too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And or nor do we need a new chief engineer, but then his assistant Scotty either. Like we don't no. need Scotty right. at all. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no. We new can characters, save Scotty. please. <laughs> right. Yep. I agree. Um, and, and even if they're since even though again, I love the actress, if they decide that, like, oh, 
Uhura is going to move out on her rotation for Mm -hmm. the Academy or whatever. I'm not sad about that either, because again, bring Mm -hmm. in a new communications officer who, you know, is someone that they can do whatever they want with because they don't have a story already told in the, you know, Mm -hmm. in the series. So that would be Yeah, and even the characters that they brought in, for it it would make sense if they rotate them out and then maybe they rotate back into the Enterprise at some point Mm -hmm. when Kirk is, you know, yeah, we don't have to be saddled with, with these characters. Right. So, um, so yeah, and and yeah, I don't have a whole lot other than uh, no Klingon bad guys again. Yeah, unless you're going to make a much longer season, I I don't need Klingons, so we're we're mm-hmm. good. We've done that. Yeah, this is interesting to do. I'm yeah, yeah. Discovery did two seasons of Klingons. We don't we don't need Klingons. You know, <laughs> yep. Again soon. Um. All right. So yeah, I mean that's it's been a good discussion, for guys. Warp. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting Warf. <laughs> And you know Michael know. Dorn, you probably know Michael Dorn's angling for a wharf series, so maybe you'll mm-hmm. get a lot of wharf. Gray-haired wharf. Just saying. I, I'm hoping for a, a seven of nine series, but you know, I could take a wharf one too, especially seven of nine and wharf. <laughs> seven of nine and wharf. There's an Don't odd couple. About that. Not pairing them. Well, no, 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 um, not 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 a couple like romantically, no, but not I mean a like just couple. like like, like a buddy trip, like yeah. like they're both on a trip somewhere, and they have to put they up with mission. each other, kind of like. I mean, I I will say though that both of their characters have been subjected to horrible romances. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although Chakotay in Seven of Nine, there we go. Worf at least got Jet Via. Yes, but. <laughs> we oh, could bring back Chakotay just for the Seven of Nine series. <laughs> time to rekindle the romance i would be bring, happy to bring find back out the animated that... chakotay for the 709 series just why not just go all out let's just make it as absurd as possible at this point <laughs> oh, honestly man. i would be happy to hear that they got back to earth and seven realized you suck I'm out of here. <laughs> Speaking of which, back to Strange New Worlds. I am very intrigued by this lower decks crossover at Strange New Worlds. Oh, that's here. true. Yeah. Very Thank intrigued. You. So I had forgotten Me that that too. was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and it's going to be on the Strange New Worlds site because I thought at first, okay, yeah. it's going to be a crossover in lower decks, in decks where, no. where where they're going to nope. bring in Pike's Enterprise through a time warp or something, yeah. and they'll have all the actors, you know, doing the voices. But no, it's going no. to be in live action, and I'm like, right. this yep. is really weird. Like, I, yeah, I feel I have... like they were saying that's what they're expecting us to do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah I don't I'm definitely know. interested in it too. I yeah. do not know how to even parse that, so we'll see. I don't what they yet do. until I see it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yep. so we'll see when they do it. It's gonna probably gonna be like the fantasy episode this season. It's gonna be one that's so weird it really stands out compared to the rest of mm-hmm. the the episodes. Yeah, yeah, because I cannot imagine how they're doing it. Right. Watch, it's gonna be like a Roger Rabbit or something, <laughs> where they'll still be animated, but the rest of the characters will be live action. Yeah, oh, that will be that'll be even weirder. Yeah. Yes, I was just figuring, be. like, they're like, oh, it's a chance for these people who've been voice acting to actually step out in front of the camera. And I, I believe you know, that's the, the plan. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that is what it's going to be. Because, like, if you look at them, now, I don't know that I know every voice actor, but I've seen a, quite a few seen, of them. Yeah. And they look kind of like, oh, yeah, like with, you know, a makeup and a wardrobe, you could look oh, sure. like your character, you know. Well, like Jack Queen's on the Boimler? boys, so it's, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Boimler Huey on the boys? Yeah. 
so, so you can kind of see that and i've seen pictures of of tawny newsome and she you could mm-hmm. see you could see that so that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i think yeah but it's i'm going to be very intrigued how they do this from a story perspective yeah mm-hmm. all right it'll be yeah. interesting but yeah um let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us so uh we'll start with you stephanie uh you can say your goodbyes and let people know if they can find you <laughs> if they can oh well now we're posing a challenge here um <laughs> well you're well, one of the ones who's usually just like I, i've just got a few things and most of them are kind of defunct and <laughs> yeah i mean i go through funks of social media that is like the one thing i fear most about you know trying to actually become an established author is i'll need to actually have a consistent media presence um i'm hoping i could hire somebody for that eventually (laughs) Um, but pretty much uh if you are interested in my writing stuff i go by ak stevens for my pen name um and i have that on twitter facebook and instagram um if you're interested in my writing, it's usually most active in November because that's when I'm doing National Novel Writers Month. And even though I write all year round, uh, that's when I am more. Tim complains that it's his birthday month, but I focus on my writing instead of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's when I tend to actually be updating more about my my stuff there. Um, otherwise, yeah, my other ones are pretty dead right now. Listen to an old podcast I was on if you're interested in my other stuff. Maybe I'll start posting on them again by the time the next episode airs. Who knows? Uh, But for now, we'll just go with A.K. Stevens. Um, That's my pen name. You can find me with that. There are various underscores and stuff like that. But I don't remember which ones have the underscores, which one have periods. We'll we'll use that as an exercise for the audience to figure (laughs) out. Good luck figuring out if it's me or some of the other AK Stevens out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steven. And then I'll see you again on the next Star Trek episode. Right. There you go. <laughs> Which will be Picard season three. Hubba hubba. Because that's coming in February. <laughs> All right. Steve- oh, I'm only- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or it starts in February. It'll probably be ended okay. in March, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, Stephen, um, why don't you say your, your goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. Bye. Thank you again for having me. It's been a joy being here. Um, you can find me, uh, I keep up uh, a Facebook page of Stephen Pickering performances. So you can see like where I'm performing um, on Facebook. Um, uh, I'm on Instagram at Mallets Before Thought. Um, and I'm... I, I'm in a Harry and David commercial that's been running for the holidays. I've seen it once. <laughs> uh, and in at the end of February, I will be in uh, That's the Way the Cookie Murders in Elmhurst, Illinois, a Scooby-Doo mystery parody playing Don Knotts. Uh, if that doesn't intrigue you enough, I don't know what will, but come on by. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see various stages uh, around the Chicago area until then. But uh, and, and at some point, uh, I'll, uh, the film I've been film- working on for at least a year, uh, The Gray Girl, uh, will be wrapped up at some point. I think I may have one more day to do, but I'll keep people posted on when that actually becomes something people can watch. 
All right. Sounds great. And yeah, um, Stephanie and Steven, thank you so much for being on the show. And Mike, I'm sorry that your internet apparently exploded <laughs> and you were not able to be with us for the second half. But we miss uh, you, Mike. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show, Mike, if you're listening to this. <laughs> it was nice meeting you, Mike. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Take care. Thanks. And that's it for our episode on Strange New Worlds. What do you think about the episode? What do you think about the review? What do you think about Strange New Worlds only having 10 episodes? The showrunner recently released a statement saying that he didn't think that 10 episodes a season was enough. What do you think about that? I'm sure we're going to talk about it in our season two review, but before that, you can just sound off in the comments or emails to us or whatever. Let's get a discussion going. So you can do all that in a bunch of different ways. One is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave us reviews or comments on any episode. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can go to our Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. You can also help our show by supporting the ESO Network Patreon. You can find that going to patreon.com slash ESO Network. It gives you access to some early podcast episodes, some exclusive podcast episodes, and a few whole exclusive ESO Network podcasts. You can review the different tiers on the website, find out what you get for various amounts of money, and if you have the funds to contribute, we would definitely appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts, both of which are currently on hiatus, but you can find the episodes the same place as you find the 42cast, and they will be coming back this summer. First off is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to buy the episodes to follow along with us because we explain everything important that happens in the story as part of the podcast. But if you want to follow along and if you have access to the episodes, you'll definitely get more out of it. The other one is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Corey, and Ashley, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's the movies, TV shows, comics, novels, anything that happens in the Star Wars universe. We review the story for how good we think it was, how good the quality is, but then we also talk about the evolving Star Wars universe, like what notions were part of these early stories that didn't make it into the future, what did make it into the future, but in sort of an altered format, and how did the new quote-unquote official material, mostly the movies, when those got released, how did that change things? So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. Not much too different to report as far as con news or video watching news. We're still pretty much at the same place with the last outro that we recorded, but keep on checking back. I'm sure I'll have more to share next time. All right, that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Kristen Ritter will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2023 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network And now for some outtakes.
I could do a bit of donuts if you'd like. Oh my God. I don't know what you'd like me to say, but I just stand here by the station and wait for people to come by. <laughs> that is great. Thank that you. That is I, great. I've been working on that for a long, long time, never thinking I would do anything with it. Mm. <laughs> and then this came up and it was like, you know, it, it was. It actually came up. Uh, a friend of mine, one of my really good friends, um, was auditioning. She's in the cast, and she's um, texting me and another friend. And she's like, um, "Do you know anybody who does a Don Knotts impersonation?" And then I'm like, um, <laughs> "And she's like, I'm not asking you because you need to take a break. You've been doing a lot of stuff, and you're very busy." And I'm like, "Okay, but you know, as a." As, as Liam Neeson once said, uh, I, I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> Your whole life has which been I, preparing you for this. I have specific another friend moment. who's like wants to hear that in a Don Knotts voice. I have a particular set of skills. Uh, uh, <laughs> really changes how that line reads if done by Don it Knotts. It does. <laughs> I know I, I have to, I've never seen one of the Taken movies, but I really have to like see that scene and do that whole monologue as like a Don Knotts voice. That would now, be hilarious. Yeah, I'd have to work that up. But uh, but yeah, but I'm like, you know, it's a very specific thing. I don't know of anybody else, but I think I can do one reasonably well. So um, I'm like, if, if you need a Don Knotts voice, I'm probably your person. That is very cool. So, I will mentally note that yeah. in case I ever need a Don Knotts voice. Yeah, I, I'm available. Um, <laughs> I'm happy. Like I say, I did it. I did it for we, you know, during the pandemic, we'd all get together on Zoom and read plays and stuff. And much you do about nothing. I had Dogberry and I'm like, I'm totally doing that as Don Knotts because that just makes sense to me. And <laughs> I really want to do that on stage. That is awesome. That is awesome. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>